from the high desert and the great American Southwest. I bid you all good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whatever the case may be, wherever you are in the world, all of which is covered by this program, Midnight in the Desert. My name is Art Bell. And uh, we're going to have an interesting evening, I can tell already. Let me uh, enumerate the rules. That takes about five minutes. No, takes about one second. No bad language and only one call per show. No bad language, one call per show. That was more seconds than that. Didn't need that many, did I? All right. Um, I want to thank the usual people at the outset of the show. Uh, Telos for the great sound. Joe Talbot. And it is great sound. And I, I want to say this again. If you have not yet fitted some earbuds into whatever it is you use, oh, man, you've you got to get to it. You really have got to get to it because we are in stereo and it sounds really good. All thanks to Telos. Keith Rowland, my webmaster, the producer position, a new person in the seat. Heather Wade, welcome to Midnight in the Desert. Uh, Dr. J um, had a lot on his plate. However, he remains associate producer. And so he is still with us and uh, assisting Heather who I think is going to be dynamite in the job. The uh, the Belgab website, <laughs> if you dare. People love our bell. Got to change that name. I just can't say it. Midnight in Desert, that's another chat site. So people are asking you, you know, where can I go to chat about the, the show? You can go to Belgab, if you dare, or you can go to Midnight in Desert, and uh, all will be well. Bell Gap is a little um, rough. Vaguely lovable, as always, but rough. <laughs> and the stream guys who get us out there to you, LV.net, gets it from here to there. And um, sales, of course, Peter Eberhardt. He is our sales guy up in uh, Alaska, way up north. Okay. Um, a little announcement. Many are asking for Brendan and Barbara. You know the GIS. Ghost Investigators Society. The 20th. Actually, we were going to have them on this week, but uh, it now looks like it will be the 20th, but they are scheduled for then, so yay. All right, a couple of things. Um... We are actively now, listen very carefully, if you're a computer person, if you're an app developer, attention! If you're knowledgeable in creating both iOS and Android apps, that's a lot of knowledge, that uh, can access our subscriber database, that's what we're doing. We need a, a new app. Uh, so if you can design something that would access our subscriber database of logins to securely download and play the podcast on mobile devices, then we need you. Or if you have expertise in adapting, these are not my words, or interfacing with existing membership software to publish a secure password-protected RSS feed to current podcast players, that might work also. Greek to me. If you're interested, send your proposals to webmaster at artbell.com. That's webmaster 
at artbell.com. Okay? I hope somebody out there, and I'm certain there is somebody out there that can do it. And by the way, we have announced uh, on Facebook, I don't know if you received the announcement, that the price of the show is going to seven ninety nine. Beginning August 20th. Now, not for those of you who have already subscribed as time travelers. You, as long as you maintain your, your membership month to month, are locked in forevermore at $5. In fact, don't panic. You can still join and become a time traveler for 5 bucks, And that locks you in as long as you remain current. Why are we going to $7.99? Well... Because we're miserable SOB money grub money grubbing you know whatever no not really because this is a you supported radio program meaning you know if uh, if we don't have advertisements for example I mean we do have them right now we have minuscule six minutes an hour but e- even if they were to go away. It, this was designed to be a listener-supported program, and the whole concept was to have this live program, the one we're doing right now, right? Live, live and free. That's good. And it is free, and the reason it's free is because of members like you. So there you have it. A couple of uh, items in the news. Obama's power plant climate plan shifts to the courts, of course, he wants to clamp down on power plants, you know, emissions, a um, new federal plan that, if successful, would attempt to slow down global warming by dramatically shifting the way Americans get and use electricity. <laughs> Touting the plan at a White House ceremony, he described his unprecedented carbon dioxide limits as the biggest step ever taken on U.S. climate. On that point, at least his opponents agreed. They denounced it, of course, as an egregious federal overreach that would spend uh, all kinds of money on things that we shouldn't spend it on and send power prices surging. And, you know, if you look at Obamacare and what that did, you got to listen to this, I guess. Former President Jimmy Carter is okay but he has undergone a liver operation to remove a little something in his liver that shouldn't be there. They're saying he'll be fine. It really was an elective kind of thing, but, you know, when a president has something like this, it's uh, certainly worth noting. This is from The Anomalist, and a, a chupacabra apparently has hit a Russian village. Now, this is interesting. Dozens of chickens were slaughtered the carcasses and feathers strewn about after what definitely looks like a violent encounter and no blood. This would be a Linda item. No blood. These attacks were fast and accurate, leaving behind only one live chicken who can tell no stories, unfortunately. But they're thinking this looks very much like a chupacabra type of uh, attack. All right, Um, there is a prominent scientist now who I'm going to look for. Dr. Lanza is his name, and he thinks that consciousness, and I so agree to this, he thinks that consciousness may be the, um, the answer to everything. 
everything. Wouldn't that be something? So we will seek him out, get him on the air, and ask all about it. All right, we're going to um, take a very quick break, I think, and when we get back, we're going to attempt to uh, to get to uh, Stephen Bassett. Now, I'm not sure we're going to make it. For some reason, he hadn't been there. But Stephen, this music doesn't wake you up. Nothing will, buddy. Stephen Bassett, we're looking for you, and we'll be right back. This is Midnight in the Desert. side of midnight from the kingdom of nye this is midnight in the desert with art bell please call the show at 1-952-225-5278 that's 1-952-CALL-ART well all right we were to have stephen bassett and a congressman on tonight but they're not here so open lines <laughs> let's do oh, oh there is one more thing i want to do before open lines actually a couple this is it blows my mind, actually. Um, you all know, I think, Stephen Greer, right? Stephen Greer, C. Seti, Stephen Greer. I understand he's made a lot of changes, by the way, in what he says now and believes. But that issue aside, um, I interviewed Stephen Greer over many, many years. And there was one time that Stephen told me that Seti... Not C. Seti, but Seti got a real hit that the public was not told about. <laughs> now, I had Seth Shostak on uh, to um, uh, talk a little bit about this. And Seth did sort of put it off to, well, maybe it was a minor functionary or something like that that, you know, gave the information out. However, somebody sent me something today that came from, uh, well, actually, it's Stephen Greer's voice, but it came from a YouTube uh, presentation, and it just knocked me for a loop. And I want you to listen, and listen very carefully to what Stephen Greer... Um, 
Now, I'm going to say something here because this is enough years after it happened. Um, a few years ago, there was a show called um, Coast to Coast with Art Bell. And it was on the cover of Time magazine, and I was one of his favorite guests. And um, when I'd be on that show, the, it really lit things up at certain agencies. And one time I was on his show when, a few years back, uh, towards the end of his career there, and this issue came up, and I said, well, you know, I have a source high up in SETI that confirms to me that they, in fact, have received inter interplanetary signals. But in a kind of phased, not normal array, it was kind of a pulsed um, array, and that it was kept secret and covered up. And um, the SETI people were furious. Subsequently, Seth Shostak got on the show and just said, well, Dr. Greer knew what he's talking about, and he probably talked to some volunteer computer operator because we have all this network of volunteers. What Art Bell didn't know, and what Seth Shostak didn't know, which I'm going to say now because it's enough water gone under the bridge, is that um, the guy who told me that was the founder of the SETI project uh, and, and the Drake equation, Dr. Drake. He told me that, that they had had that contact. Moreover, a man who had been one of Carl Sagan's best friends, the best man at his wedding, um, confirmed it. And he had been present when the wow signal came in at Harvard. <laughs> so you can imagine how that blew me away. And you can imagine, by the way, Seth Shostak is scheduled for the show. So, oh, my goodness. I about flipped when I heard that. I mean, I really flipped. So, okay, we're going to do open lines. Uh, that's what we're going to do. And anything you want to talk about is fair game. And by the way, I'm looking for a witch. I want to say this again and be very, very clear. I am looking for a real witch. Now, I'm looking for a witch who believes in real magic, casting spells, cauldron stirring, broom riding, all the things you associate with a, a you know, a, a witch. You know, the shoes sticking out from the house would not be pink. Let's put it that way. Probably be a black shoe. <laughs> so I'm looking for that uh, that kind of a witch. If if you are one of them, or if you know one of them, please email me. I am artbell at artbell.com. Pretty easy, right? Artbell at artbell.com. That said, what do you want to talk about? Anything is fair game. You know. All right. Let me let me go ahead and do this. You remember the other night we were talking about experiences that we've had that we haven't talked about? All right, it was about three, maybe four weeks ago now. And I, I thought that this subject had been talked to death, and, and frankly, I think it has. Except I just had the experience, and I'm talking about 
what I can only call a shadow person. So let me tell you what happened to me, okay? And then we'll get to the phones. I was sitting in my ham shack. That's the place I've got all my ham radio gear and computers and stuff in the house. Now separate from my studio, where I am now. And I had been working at the computer. You know, we talk show hosts do a lot of working at computers because we get a lot of email and guests and producers and uh, everything. And so I'd been staring at the screen for a while, a while and I mentioned that because I, I think it might have something to do with what happened. I um, I suddenly saw movement to my right. And I, you know, I just looked over to the right, and there was a figure there. And I don't mean just, I don't know, a figure. It was the shadow of a being. It was a shadow of something. And it just scared the you-know-what out of me. And I looked again, and it wasn't there. And I, I looked behind. I started looking around the room. I looked behind me, and there it was. Boom, there it was, and boom, it was gone. And I was sitting there in shock, and it appeared to the left of me. And I completely lost it, folks. I, you know, everybody was asleep in the house, so... I'll tell you the truth. Um, I went into where we store firearms and got one. And I went through the whole house. I went, th- <laughs> I went through the garage. I went through the yard. I got out my big five gazillion candle power light. Started poking around with that. It just scared me to death. So I guess I've seen what I don't know. I what else do you call it? Shadow person. I guess. First time in my life I've had this experience. And here is what I think. And I only just think this. When you spend a long time staring at a computer screen, it begins to change your eyes, if not your brain. Haven't you ever noticed that? That when you you, you spend hours in front of a computer screen, something begins to change in you. It's perhaps subtle, it's tiring, but I think there's a change behind just subtle and tiring. And I don't know what it is. It may be a different, you know, the refresh rate of the uh, the computer screen, or it may have nothing to do with computers at all. It just may be that these things are here. But what the hell are they? I mean, you start thinking about it, what are they? Are these entities of some kind? Are they ghosts? I mean, another person could have seen this and have said, I saw a ghost. Right? I could have as easily come on tonight and said, I saw a ghost. But, you know, through the years, having talked about shadow people, that's what it looked like. Now, this being had human form or something close to human form, If there were arms, they were down by the side. They weren't out. But there were legs. It's just enough to scare the you-know-what right out of you. And it did that. So first to the right of me, then behind me, which was really freaky, and then then to the left of me, and then I was so far out of there so fast. (laughs) 
Whatever it's worth. I don't know what these things are, and I doubt anybody actually can document what they are. But now I know they are. I did uh, shadow people many, many years ago. What was it, back in the uh, late 80s, 90s? So I remember the reports. I remember the drawings. I remember the descriptions. But I sure as heck never expected to see something like that. It was a... You know, I, I almost don't want to say human form, but it was close to a human form. That's the only way I can describe it. It was not solid. You could still see something through it. Maybe that added to the terror of it all. I don't know. But it utterly drove me nutty. All right, um, let me give you the numbers. With that, we can talk about anything you want. Uh, public number for all of you is... Area code 952-225-5278. That's area code 952-225-5278. Now, beyond that public number, yes, you can get in on Skype, whether you're in America and Canada or in the world. Please take my advice. I will not give this lecture many more times, but I want to do it because it benefits all of you to hear clear audio. So if you've got you know, a smartphone. It's so simple. Put Skype on your smartphone. Just put Skype on. And, um, and then once you've done that, if you're in North America or Canada, set it up to call MITD55. Or, I'm sorry, MITD51. Oh, let me get that wrong. MITD51. And then you can go to the, uh, uh, you, you can go to your uh, uh, phone. And you can uh, do it right now. Uh, go to your contacts, and you'll see MITD51 in there. You can hit it and call us free. If you're outside North America, Canada, and the U.S., it's MITD55. MITD55. Let us begin and say, hello, Trey. You are on the air on Skype. Hey, Art. It's interesting that you brought up the shadow people. Yeah. Uh, about two or three months ago, I was sitting outside smoking on my porch, typing on Belgab, as usual. Uh-huh. And I looked across myself, uh, across the parking lot, and saw what looked like maybe a seven or eight foot tall shadow of a person just sort of like meld into the ground. Yeah. The lower half of the body was not there. Uh-oh. And it looked like it ducked down almost as if it had recognized me seeing it and was trying to hide. And at first, in my mind, immediately I thought we'd had a bunch of break-ins and it's just somebody creeping around the parking lot. At least I had a whole body. I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't want half a body of anything. That's no, that's no good. Uh, I'm telling you, though, this scared me so badly. I, I was completely terrified. I froze for a moment. I didn't know what to do. And I just sort of casually backed up like, you know, like, hopefully he doesn't notice what I'm doing. Okay, so question, say. question. Mm-hmm. What do you think these things are? I don't know. I, maybe this has something to do with time travel, too, possibly. Maybe we're seeing echoes of other things and that were and maybe. You know, things that were, that's a pretty good guess, actually. Things that were. I wonder if there's sort of a, a lingering echo of things that were. It's very possible. Maybe it was even... Me at some earlier time. <laughs> Don't do that to me. Now I'm not going to be able to go to sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, uh, it could be. It could be uh, me or anybody else, but whatever it was, you know, when these things happen to you, you're not the same after it. Absolutely not. It's bizarre, and I don't really believe in this sort of thing, and it's just so odd to have that happen. Well, we, you know, there's nothing like having it happen to you to make you a believer. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Art, can I give you a movie recommendation? You may. Have you seen the movie Pontypool? What What is it again? It's called Pontypool, and actually Pontypool, the author no, wouldn't no. make a good guess. Uh-uh, I haven't seen it. Why? It's about a radio DJ and the power of words and the... I don't know. It's maybe sort of zombie-ish. I don't know. It's a pretty neat picture, and it has a lot to say, and the book's pretty good, too. Most of the movies they, they've made about talk hosts are... Well, you're the ultimate talk host to me. When I think of talk hosts, I see you smoking and wearing, like, black at your computer. <laughs> but, you know, that's the romanticized idea. All right. Well, here, I'll give you the truth. The truth is I've got these electronic cigarettes now. Anybody who has been a smoker all their life will learn very quickly that they either give it up, the tobacco version, or or else. And when I say or else, um, I guess you know what I mean, right? It's going to get you. Let's go to, uh, I think, Lockport, New York. You have achieved airdom on Midnight in the Desert. Extinguish your device and proceed. Turn, turn that off, please. Okay. All the way off. Very good. Off. All right, good. Uh, welcome to the program. Yes, how are you, Art? How are you? I'm very well, thank you. My name is Steve Legace, calling you from Lockport, New York. Yes, sir. Uh, I heard you talking about the shadow people. Well, I, I've, uh, I'm 50 years old, and I seen one the first time when I was three years old, and again for the last time. On a Tuesday morning, August 16th, 2011, in my room, the thing had orange eyes. It locked up my body. It was 5.30 in the morning. It locked up my body for five minutes. Um, Now, throughout my whole life, this thing gave me some kind of, like, special where I could see the future and see things, and I could be able to tell people something was going to happen, and it would always happen. That's cool. I didn't get any of that. I got scared out of my wits is what I got. <laughs> I hear you. You know what? And at first it scared me too. And then uh I realized 3 days ago and up until today that the, it was a positive experience for me. And uh I I kicked myself in the ass. I didn't know it could read my mind when I when I was sitting there looking at it for the 5 minutes. Well, at least I can report I didn't shoot a, a shadow person. You don't want to shoot it, no. No, you have to go hurt us. Yeah, I, I hear you. Dark Matter News, I'm Leo Ashcraft. 
Nearly 50,000 customers were without power across southern Ontario after an intense storm battered the province on Sunday, bringing heavy winds, rain, hail, and possible funnel clouds. The outages were spread over an area from Lake Huron to Toronto. The utility company Toronto Hydro is reporting multiple outages across the city, including one at Yorkdale Shopping Centre. Elsewhere, the wild weather blew down trees, canceled a music festival, and according to the Ontario Provincial Police, sent six people to the hospital when a tent collapsed near Proton Station, a community about 50 kilometers southeast of Owen Sound. There were also reports of funnel clouds near Orangeville, north of Toronto, earlier in the day. The Ontario Provincial Police said it has received many reports of downed trees and power lines, but no reports of serious damage. Due to safety concerns, the Veld Music Festival that was being held at Downsview Park in Toronto was called off. If you think this was a normal storm, take a look at the photos snapped over Toronto at darkmatternews.com. The plane crash which killed three members of Osama bin Laden's family in Hampshire in the United Kingdom is said to have taken place in near-perfect conditions, raising suspicions about the incident. Three members of the bin Laden family as well as the pilot died when their private jet crashed near the end of the runway. But the Guardian has raised questions over the crash as the plane was equipped with high-tech gear to guide it in safely. And Blackbush Airport has precision approach pathway indicators, adding that it's not the first time there has been a bin Laden family plane crash. They say it is in fact the third time members of the bin Laden family have been killed in a plane crash. Osama's father was killed when his Beechcraft 18 crashed in Saudi Arabia in 1967 while on his way home to marry his 23rd wife. Salem bin Laden, the half-brother of Osama, died in 1988 when his aircraft drifted into high-voltage power lines in San Antonio, Texas. A hitchhiking robot that captured the hearts and fans of Worldwide met its demise in the United States. The Canadian researchers who created HitchBot as a social experiment said that someone in Philadelphia damaged the robot beyond repair early Saturday, ending its first American tour after about two weeks. The kid-sized robot set out to travel cross-country after successfully hitchhiking across Canada in 26 days last year in parts of Europe. It's immobile on its own, relying on the kindness of strangers. Please pick me up and put me in your vehicle. I am Hitchbot, a hitchhiking robot. Whoa, we to get to me. Those who picked it up often passed it to other travelers or left it where others might notice it. It started in Marblehead, Massachusetts on July 17th with its thumb raised skyward, a grin on its digital face and tape wrapped around its cylindrical head that read San Francisco or bust. Maybe I can make a cameo appearance in a film when we get to California. I will make my big Hollywood debut. I can see it now. Hitchbot, the first robot TV star. The robot bounced around the Boston area and was briefly taken to sea. One day it took in a Red Sox game, checking off one of the items on the bucket list created for it. But Hitchbot never made it off the East Coast. The creators were sent an image of the vandalized robot Saturday, but couldn't track its location because the battery was dead. They said they don't know who destroyed it or why. The robot was designed to be a talking travel companion and could toss out factoids and carry limited conversation. A GPS in the robot tracked its location, and a camera randomly snapped photos about every 20 minutes to document its travels. During past travels, the robot attended a comic convention and a wedding, and it had its portrait painted in the Netherlands. It once spent a week with a heavy metal band. With the robot destroyed, Zeller said she was concerned about children who loved Hitchbot and followed it on social media. Her team doesn't plan to release the last photo of it to protect young fans who might be distraught. I'm Leo Ashcraft for Dark Matter News. 
free to sniff our packets. Then, with a smile on your face, please call the show at 1-952-225-5278. That's 1-952-CALL-ART. This song goes out to the Donald. They had the, uh, you know, the first debate with, how many was it? 15, 18, you know, a whole bunch of potential candidates, right? Not one of them even mentioned the name Trump. Not one. So, Donald, this one's for you. We're in open lines. Our guest tonight was a no-show, or late, um, at any rate, not there. So, sad, but I think we'll we'll make it with open lines. You and I will we'll make it just fine. I'm going to uh, bring on for a second my new producer for a very good reason. Hey, new producer. New producer, are you are you are you? Good there? evening, Art. What yes. are you uh, up to this <laughs> evening? Well, number one, I entre- I wanted to introduce this pleasant voice to everybody as my new producer. That's one thing. And well, uh, your name evening, your your name is Heather Wade, right? Yes, it is. It is yes. And um, the reason that I brought you on is because you're about the only person in the world. That I have told, and I, how long ago was it, uh, Heather? I told you about this encounter I had with this damn shadow thing. Oh, I think about two weeks ago. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I told you about two weeks ago. That was um, actually before <laughs> before we even got on the air, right? Yes, yeah, it okay. was. That was it before. was a few days before uh, you got back on the air before the 20th, that's and right. you were terrified. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it was a few days prior to that that it had happened. So um, I just sort of wanted to bring you on for two reasons. One, to say, listen to the voice of my new producer, because if you're a guest, you'll probably be hearing it. And number two, I told her my story. I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to do it on the air, but I finally thought, eh. What the heck? And I just thought I would verify that I did, in fact, tell you then. Yes, you did. And what did I? What was my suggestion? I think the audience needs to hear this. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I know you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always really hesitant because I do a show on this kind of thing. When finally something does happen to me, I don't know. I feel hesitant to talk about it because it sounds like it's cooked or something, but it's not. It really happened. Heather, you're a sweetheart. Thank you for coming on the air, verifying my story, and all that stuff. Anytime. All right. Take care. That's that's Heather Wade, my new producer. So there you have it. Um, it really did. It uh, it scared me as much as anything has scared me in my whole life. I guess, to be fair, 
I was in shock after the UFO incident. Actually, a couple of them. Shock, but not as scared as I was. That that night, I was scared. I did. I grabbed a gun. Not ashamed to say that. I because I I had no idea. You know, no, no idea what I was dealing with. I still don't. No clue. Uh, it's just it's completely and utterly unsettling. And here is, I believe, Debbie. Uh, hello, Debbie. Hey, Art. How are you? Well, I guess you can hear how I am. <laughs> well, I'm really enjoying the show, and it's really great to have you back. Thank you. Um, anyways, I've got two stories. I guess I'll let you pick. One is a shadow person um, <laughs> thing that happened to me back in the 80s. Really? And, uh, Yep, and the other one was an out-of-body experience no, that I let, had back on May 20th, no, which is let, let, equally as amazing. <laughs> yeah, but let, right now, let's go with the uh, shadow person, if you don't mind. No, not at all. Can you describe to me what your shadow person or what it looked like? You know what? I know it's going to sound corny, but it looked like Dick Tracy. Do you remember the Dick Tracy cartoons? I do. From the 60s, of and course. they were in the funny papers. Sure. Yeah. It looked like Dick Tracy only in the shadows. And this being would stand at the end of my bed any night that my husband didn't come to bed with me. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, he would stay up and watch television sometimes. Well, it it must have been the point. (laughs) The first couple of times, you must have been dragging your husband into the bedroom. I, I was so... I can't tell you how terrifying it actually was. And I had three small children at the time. So I was exhausted by 8 o'clock, and I would go in, and sometimes I would just fall asleep. And this this presence was, you know, it, you could tell that someone was there. It would wake you up. It would wake me up out of a dead sleep, and yep. I would see him standing at the end of the bed. Well, that's even more horrifying because you're at that point you're between sleep and being very awake. And, boy, if that doesn't give you a heart attack, I, I don't know what will. Well, it was really, really frightening, and you know, and this went on for, I don't know, I'd say years. Okay, um, did your Dick Tracy years? Years. <laughs> did he have arms, legs, discernible, everything? Uh, only thing I could tell was, you know, this person was in the shadows and just, uh, uh, you know, like a, I could see a hat and a face and kind of like just. Shoulders, square shoulders, in long and black. I couldn't discern any arms or legs, but what I later determined and what I later found out, which is the really interesting part of the story, yes. is that someone very close to me had put a hex on me. Oh. And I wasn't a big believer in hexes, but I got it on pretty good word that this this thing that followed me for so many years was a familiar, and this was a male that had put this hex on me, uh, was his familiar. Was this uh, some male that you had <clears throat> felt you had treated him incorrectly or something? I had not. The, the male figure was actually my father. Oh, your father? My father. Why would your father put a hoax on you? A hex. Or a hex. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, well... I married someone that he didn't like, ah. and that person was killed in a motorcycle accident, and he sold him the motorcycle. 
Now, dads don't generally put hexes on daughters. I mean, it just it's not one of those things that a dad would do. Your dad must have been, well, what's the right word? Well, it was hateful, spiteful. You, definitely hateful. And you'd think he would put the hex on the husband. He did, you. and he was killed. Okay, so it was the both of you, really. It was. Yikes. And there's many other things that go with that, and I'm not going to go into all of those because it take an awfully long time. But anyways, um, that that uh, the Dick Tracy shadow figure stayed with me Got for it. many years. And, you know, I tried to call in when you had Evelyn Paglini on several times, back, you know, way back when. Right. God bless her. I hope she is well. Um, we are now looking for another Evelyn. Well, I hope you find her. She really was a spiritual warrior, and I really admired her a lot. And I wanted to tell her my story so bad because, you know, she was so knowledgeable on, you know, these different groups and, you know, all of that. This is why I want a real witch. Mm -hmm. they, know, yeah, a real they, they know about spiritual warfare, and a lot of mm -hmm. people call themselves witches. You know, um, they're not spiritual warriors, and that's that's what I want because... Frankly, a lot of the serious things are battles. Oh, absolutely. All right. Thank you so very much. I appreciate your call. Good talking to you. And, uh, and again, anything you want to talk about is fair game tonight. That was a good one. That was definitely a good one. Can you imagine that? A hex on the both of them. What daddy would do that to his daughter? I could understand a hex on the guy. But his own daughter. Wow. Let's go... Uh, Oh, I don't know where I'm going. Uh, it doesn't really matter. It says anonymous. Welcome to the program. Hi, Art. Hi. Uh, it's it's funny you're doing this topic. I was going to call you uh, on Friday. Um, a few years ago, I had I had a serious problem with the shadow nonsense. What is this? Um, yeah, what? It's so common. I know what it is, and I can tell you how to see it for yourself, and then I can tell you how to get rid of it. Um, getting rid of it, part of it, I want to hear right away. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, it's kind of like getting out of sleep paralysis. You know, the harder you fight it, the worse it gets. You have to relax and let go of the fear. And uh, it's kind of the same thing with these things. Right. I saw one. So how do you uh, do that? Yeah. How, how do you get rid of fear? I mean, when you see something that is pretty much not of this world, I mean, you can see through it, and you can see other parts of the room, right? It's just a figure um, I, I don't know how you conquer that fear because it's just Abby normal. What I did was uh, the first time I saw the thing, it scared me to death. I mean, and I'm I'm a fairly rational person, and I looked at this thing. I didn't blink. I didn't look away because I assumed it was one of those things where, you know, my, my mind was mistaking shadows and making a shape that wasn't really there, like a coat rack looks like a guy standing there. Anyway, it wasn't that, and it, I, I never looked away from it, and the thing was standing in a stairwell, and it just kind of tipped back, and, uh, you know, I got up, I turned all the lights, I got a gun, I freaked out. Um, the next day, I was telling somebody at work about it, and I never heard the hell of a shadow person in my entire life, and I was describing it to him, and he said, you know, that's a real thing. You've got to look it up on the Internet. People have seen these things, so I went home and looked it up. I thought, well, this is <laughs> this is horrible, so... uh the more research I did, I never found anybody to get hurt by one. There was never a, you know, nobody was sent to a hospital by a shadow person. So 
I was resolved that the next time I saw one, I was going to do the same thing I did with sleep paralysis. It didn't hurt me the first time I saw it. I'm just going to assume it's not going to hurt me the second time I see it. I'm going to relax. And so, and so you did? I did. And you you can do this, too, if you can get rid of the fear. And the trick is to not look away. Cause okay, okay, reaction. okay. What happened? Okay. You relaxed, um, and then what? I relaxed. The second time I saw it, it was a praying mantis. And I'm, oh, wonderful. That would just cheer me right up. Well, it sounds ridiculous. And what's weird is same height, same place, same kind of like standing in the shadows. But this time it was, uh, you know. Praying mantis. Praying, praying well, mantis like things I, on the wall. Yeah, okay, so small like, but, like you would have on the wall or big? No, it was like eight feet tall. I mean, it was terrible. So oh, I sure. Up. I'd just relax away with that. Well, I looked that one up, too, and apparently in the area in which I was living at the time, that was something that people saw commonly. But um, anyway, I guess it has something more to do with the extraterrestrial experience. <laughs> but all of that aside... Um, <laughs> Listen, I I, I'm sorry. I've got to interrupt you. I, I'm 70. If if what I saw had turned into a praying mantis, I'd be dead now. <laughs> I well. So I don't know. You're talking this relaxation stuff. You're going to have to do better than that. I don't, you know, once it turns into, I relax with the shadow, and it turns into a praying mantis, and you're telling me that 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 was a good a good finish. Well, well, yes and no. Now that I knew oh. what I was dealing with, I mean, do a little more research, and I could, well, the Internet's your friend, but uh, I went and did a little more research and found out this was another common experience that people, many people had had. And again, nobody had been hurt by one of these things. Sometimes so, the Internet's your friend. I remember back when I started this whole damn topic in the first place, long ago, I went and looked it up on the Internet, and all it had was terrifying pictures of these shadow people. I didn't even think it was real when somebody first brought it up. I said shadow person. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, yeah. It's all I over the internet. But anyway, the way to get rid of it um, is positivity, and I, that sounds kind of cliched. The way I got rid of it was with Howard Jones music in 80s comedies. But <laughs> it kind of feeds on, it seemed to get worse the, the more afraid I was. But the less consumed, because at the time when I was seeing these things, uh, I was, you know, was miserable, my life sucked, and I was upset about a few things, and it seemed to kind of, show up more often the angrier I was so I consumed myself with you know I made sure I wasn't watching anything dark on television <laughs> I surrounded myself with you know upbeat music and anyway huh. it just kind of went away after that like okay. I still see one occasionally but I'm not afraid of it it doesn't bother me it's not this but it seems to be uh, you need to relax get well, rid of the fear and I would like to say that you have calmed me right down but uh, you have not um, and nevertheless I I Appreciate your attempt. Thank you very much. Good luck. Yeah, take care. Um, no, that didn't do it. I mean, the shadow person is terrifying enough. And then see it move or have it move on you and then be first to your right, then behind you, and then to your left. I just fled. Once I saw it to the left and it disappeared, and it did, I fled. And, I well, I've already told you. I went and got a gun, went all around was prepared to try a shot if I saw it, and I didn't. You know, that's probably how you end up shooting the wrong person or something. God, it was terrifying. And would if, would, if I had managed to somehow suddenly relax, do you honestly think this thing, had it turned into a gigantic eight-foot praying mantis, would have relaxed me? No. 
Not even close. It would have finished me off for sure. Once again, if you're outside North America, uh, that means America and Canada, anywhere in the rest of the world, it's really easy to get through. Just call us on Skype at MITD55, MITD55, outside the U.S. Love to hear from you. A stacked full of calls here in the U.S. Uh, and speaking of calls, in Ottawa something or another, you're on the air. Oh, hi, Hart. It's Rob from Ottawa. Hey, Roswell's to, Roswell's to you. Thank you. I'm, uh, I guess, one of your tasty Canadian time travelers. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Um, the, the first call you got after you, you, you made, made your... Uh, Admission. Uh, yeah, you made your mission um, public. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's a... You asked if it's a shadow person or a ghost. I don't know. I'll tell you what happened to me quickly. Um, like I've seen, like, you know, the corner of your eye thing. Yes. You see something there. We've all done seen that. What made mine different, this thing went across the room. It went from left to right, like it didn't want to be seen. Yeah, there you and have it. That, I want to add something just real quickly. Yeah. Uh, this was not a corner of your eye thing. I mean, when I first saw, noted that something was there present, um, yeah, I, it was a corner of my eye, but then I turned toward it and I saw the damn thing. Then I saw it behind me. It had form. It was real. It disappeared. It was then to the left of me and then gone. No, mine was just like the other collar. It uh, had no legs, no head. It was about waist high. It was a dark object. Like, we're, I was in a, uh, I, we had gone to Vancouver. We were staying in an older hotel, nice hotel, 1912. And, uh, we were on the fifth floor. Um, I say that because there's no headlights at that floor. Uh, the drapes are very, very heavy, so I'm not getting any light. And I just happened to get up 2 in the morning, went to the bathroom, went into the small little kitchenette, grabbed some orange juice. Now, the reason I wasn't afraid, probably, because I was half asleep. Mm. I, I, I took my, my slug of orange juice, and I was, as, I was appearing in from the kitchenette back in the living room. This thing just, like, right across the room. And I went, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. And I wasn't afraid, probably because I was like half asleep. So um, I lied down. My wife's there. She's like not moving at all. And it's a king bed. She's like she's not moving at all. So I lie down, okay, and I'm just thinking about this thing. And then at the end of the bed, I, I feel some pressure. Not a lot of pressure. Yes. But a little bit of pressure. Yes. Now, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to look back. You know, like I'm thinking now, there's no way I'm going to look back. And I figured, okay, if this thing doesn't touch me, I'm not going to look back, and I just let it go. And I fell asleep. You know, but there was definitely pressure at at the end of my bed as well. Um, how now, did I have you, a reservation. How did you fall asleep? Yeah, wait. How did you fall asleep? That'd be the last thing in the world I could do after that. Well, I, again, I was tired. It was two thirty in the morning. Um, you know, I felt a little pressure. I, I mean, I didn't. Like, I didn't want to look back. Like I didn't. I didn't. I. I just was afraid to see what I what I would find. So I'm, I'm going to guess you're on a blue. You're on a Bluetooth, right? I'm on a Bluetooth. No, yeah. I'm on a cell phone. Yeah. A cell phone. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I, I figured as long as 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 the the pressure doesn't become any any more so. Or this thing doesn't grab me. I, you know, I'm not going to look back. You know. So you and, fell asleep, and, and when just, you and when you I woke just, up, everything was all right. 
Everything was fine. I told my wife about it. I thought, and then I, I started trying to put pieces together. Okay, well, the curtains are heavy. There's no light. We're up on the fifth floor. Like, I figured this, whatever this thing was, didn't want to be seen. Yeah. I figured that it, it probably, light, like, it was a beautiful suite, and it was a good location. And I'm thinking maybe this entity liked that. I got room. it. We, we've so, got a break. I've got to go. Thanks for the story, though. Okay. Bye, Art. I appreciate it. Take care. <sighs> Well, whatever it was, it was real. That's the one thing I know. It was real. This is Midnight in the Desert. is a wild trip across the day's divisor. Get your ticket to ride by calling 1-952-CALL-ART. That's 1-952-225-5278. Skype in America and Canada is MITD51. MITD51. Outside the U.S., yes, sir, it's a free call on Skype. MITD55. MITD55. That'll ring us up. Let me qualify something. When I said real, maybe I shouldn't have said real, because whatever it was, you know, I couldn't run over and grab it, nor would have I done that. Um, but I don't know about real. It was something. It was of some substance. It was, you know, I want to say not of this earth, but I, I don't know that. It could be. It could have been a ghost. Could have been a spirit. Could have been a hex. I don't know. Well, let's see where to go. Um, let's try Stephen on Skype. Stephen, hello. Hi. 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 Good to have you. Um, really surprised I got on. Um, I just wanted to ask. Um, you were talking about Dr. Greer before. And I yes. actually wanted to ask you a question. Did you hear what oh. he said? Yes, I did. I'm actually uh, the reason I listen to your show is actually because I um because I'm actually a big fan of Dr. Greer. Yes, sir. Yeah, he's really um, what got me into like, I guess, ETs in general. Right. Um, I actually just wanted to know your opinion on um, what like is like the new things that you're saying that that he's saying. Well, uh, first of all, 
for goodness sakes, um, that is what he said. I played it. It, it came from YouTube. So he no, really, you I know, mean, he, he absolutely said his, it. I mean, his message has like changed. Yes. More recently. Yes, and I have to have him on and hear it. But what he did say shocked the hell out of me. I mean, come on. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. He is, in essence, telling us, look, SETI got a real signal. They kept it secret. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's no minor matter. No. So have we heard already from them is the question. It's very true, very true. All right. I guess well, you'd have to wonder, um, really... How would, if they did receive, like they said, like a like a different type of signal. Yeah. You know, how would um, how would you summarize what uh, Dr. Greer is saying now versus what he said all all those years ago? Um, I think I think his understanding of the subject has evolved just like everyone else's. I think he um, believes they are a already here. Absolutely. And b he's much more interested in be, having communication with them than he is in doing the things he did year ago years ago. Absolutely. Um, what I've what I've gleaned from what he said is that um, he's more interested and less listen to disclosure because he doesn't think that's really um, a viable possibility, or not so much that, but so much as he thinks that you know that's what we were going to do tonight. We, we were going to have Stephen Bassett on, right? He's been working on this disclosure mm-hmm. project for years and years and years, and frankly, I was going to ask him at the beginning of the interview, uh, Stephen. While I applaud your efforts, I, I don't think we're ever going to know. It's never going to be disclosed unless, I don't know, unless some president comes forward, maybe Trump. <laughs> Somebody who is, you know, just immune to the talk. And maybe mm-hmm. Trump would be immune to the talk that all presidents are apparently given. I mean, maybe. Maybe. I don't really think Donald Trump won't be elected, despite the fact that I probably think he's not. probably the best GOP candidate that's there. Um, it's all fun watching anyway. I just can't, absolutely. I can't, it's I can't wait the for the debate. Oh, time, man. Yeah. Election season. It's always great. All right, brother. Thank you very much for the call and take care. It's going to be, I just can't wait for the debate. Unfortunately, you know, it's going to be one with rules. You know it is, right? Debate's going to have rules. You can speak for one minute, Mr. Candidate, and then, or three minutes, and then so and so over there will have one minute to rebut what you said. And then, if necessary, we'll give you 30 seconds to rebut what he said. Bummer debate. I want a real debate. And, oh, by the way, while we're on the subject of debates, I'm supposed to have one coming. Now, this may sound laughable to some of you, but I'm telling you it's no laughing matter. There are people out there who believe with religious fervor that our Earth is flat, that the scientists are all wet, they bring with them evidence, they think the Earth is flat, and they say they can prove it. And so I thought, okay, fine, great. Bring on one of these devotees. Let's get a scientist. Let's have a real debate. That would be a real debate. I'd love to see one on TV, too, wouldn't you? with uh, only two or three candidates when it's finally narrowed down to that? God, I'd like to see the real thing. All right, let's go to the phones and somebody calling themselves Dimensional. Hi, this is uh, actually Nathan from Austin. Hey, Nathan. Hi. Um, I actually had a story. I grew up in uh, Michigan, and okay. um, I was about in middle school, I think, and we, me and my friend were staying up late. And um, I was looking out the window, 
and I saw this. He lived on a um, Christmas tree farm, you know, pine trees. Right. And I looked out the window, and I saw this black figure jump from one pine tree to another. It kind of looked like a like a person. Right. And I told my friend, you know, hey, look, I just saw this thing. You know, do you know anything about it? And he said no. So I thought it was crazy, so I kept watching it, and I saw it again. So I was like, you know, what's going on here? So I told my friend again, and, you know, we started watching for, like, maybe an hour or so. Right. And then we saw another one. So I was like, hey, you know, you have to wake up your dad because I was kind of afraid. And his dad was kind of like, uh, he was a farmer, so, uh, you know, he would have been mad we were up late, and he probably would have made the situation worse because he had a bit of a temper. (laughs) (laughs) So we kept looking, and, you know, we saw it again. It's like, all right, so we eventually woke up his dad, and he went out on the porch and looked around with the flashlight and everything, and he didn't see anything. So the next night we go out there, and there's a bunch of foot. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's see if we can get him back. You still there? Huh. We lost him somehow. I'm so sorry. That happens. You just suddenly get cut off. Sorry about that. Let's try Cameron. Hello, Cameron. Good evening, Art. How am I coming in? Uh, you're coming in? Okay. And that last caller is welcome to call back and, you know, the rule is yeah. suspended for him. I'm sorry about that. Anyway, go ahead, Cameron. Well. Yeah, uh, just sitting here having a uh, beer, thinking about the shadow people thing that you're talking about, and it's kind of funny, I've seen things before too, but everything runs on frequencies. You know, if you have the right adjustment of electromagnetic energy, you can see the aurora. Uh, Infrasound, that could have an effect on what you saw, because some people with the right lighting, if they have a certain type of infrasound, like the sound that you hear in a lion's roar, is also the same sound made by a tornado. Okay, here's my theory. And you're welcome to either reject it or explore it. It is that once you've stared at a computer screen long enough with that refresh frequency... Well, that's what I was getting to. Um, okay. It might not be that. It could be something electromagnetic with the screen or the lighting. But like, um, what was it, Van Gogh or somebody who painted all those pictures with the eerie blue hue to it? Right. Or No, Claude Monet. That's what it was. I have it pulled up here. Um, yeah, they have this really eerie blue hue. And... If you mess with the human eye just enough, for instance, with severe cataracts, you can see ultraviolet light. Uh-huh. So it could be that it does mess with people's eyes. It could be that these, whatever they are, um, appear in ultraviolet and are not seen Well, normal. maybe not ultraviolet, but what I'm saying is everything runs on frequencies, and it could be that it adjusts your eyesight and your perception just like people who take the DMT stuff, they can see these machine elf entities that hop in and out of them and mess with their heads. Well, that adjusts everything, you know, you know really adjusts you. Everything runs on frequencies. So one frequency, something should transfer from energy to matter, for instance. You know. Well, I don't want it to do that. Uh, it was all enough matter for me. I could see through it, so it wasn't matter-matter. And frankly, if it had turned into matter... I'd have been going for the gun <laughs> right away. Oh, God, it scared me. Another quick thing before you hang up. Uh, you know that uh, Forrest Bird, he was an inventor that invented the iron lung that saved all those polio kids. He died just the, the other day. Wow, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. And I if pre- you take the time to look into him when you're not busy. Right. <laughs> Thank you very, very much for the, uh, for the call. <laughs> when I'm not busy. Goodness, when is that? Uh, when you do a radio program, you're pretty busy a lot of the time. Going outside the country, I think to Ireland, 
Hello there. Hello. Uh, my name's Liam, calling from Cork, Ireland, correct? Cork, Ireland. And you're bored. It says bored. Yeah. I said that a long time ago. I was really? bored that day, as you can imagine. So you're just, you were having a bad day, and so you put your emotion up there. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, it's 10 six, many Roswells. Right, thank you. Uh, so you've been listening. Uh, you know what we're talking about. Do you see this sort of thing there? Um, next to my computer, I have a picture, and you can kind of see in the background through my window, my back garden. And one or two times, I think I might have seen something black out there, but when I look, it's gone. So, uh-huh. Could have been icing. Anyway, I was wondering um, about ghost matter. If yeah. there's nothing set in stone, um, would you think about midnight in the cemetery or something like that? Oh, you mean to, for the ghost show? Yeah. Midnight in the cemetery is pretty good. Um, I'm thinking about it for a while. But, you know, the traditional name has been Ghost to Ghost, right? Yeah. Which, I've, um, of course, came from Ghost to Ghost. As you can imagine, that's how I found you. Well, it's a good point. Midnight in the in the graveyard. I will take that under advisement, um, and maybe maybe I'll change it. Okay. Of course, we're not technically in a graveyard, and given the opportunity to do a remote from a graveyard, I don't think I would. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Probably not on Halloween night. <laughs> is, is one one question. Yes, is Ireland a ghost-like place? Uh, some say it's, now I'm quoting people, but some say it's one of the most haunted countries uh, uh, in, on the planet. Yeah, that's exactly what I've heard. All right, well, listen. I haven't seen much. It's my own eyes. Count, count your lucky Irish stars. That's what I would say. So far, I don't have any. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. Um, you know, one of the cool things about being on the program is that there is about a 30-second time differential between when we actually talk to you live and then when you uh, finish your call, if you turn your radio on or your stream or whatever, you will hear your call. You'll hear the last at least 30 seconds of your call. So once again, uh, that gentleman from Ireland, if you're outside the country, we'd love to have you. You're probably, if it's in Europe, having cup of coffee right now or tea and uh, you're welcome to call us at MITD55 on Skype MITD55 let us go to well no we better not I guess I better get it out of the way we've got a break coming up so let me do that we're in open lines and we're talking about anything you want now I did bring up the subject of shadow people because I just couldn't keep it inside any longer. I'm Art Bell. This is Midnight in the Desert.
Sydney, Australia. Excellent. Welcome to okay. the program. <laughs> I'm going to make this real quick because I do childcare and I just had to give you um, a call. I had an incident back in 2006 where I woke up in the middle of the night, I think it was around 2 a.m., and there was a very tall, dark creature standing between myself and the television. I did was in bed. Michelle, I Michelle, did it have form, or what kind of form did you see? It, yes, it had form. It had a long cloak on, and it had a hood. Oh. It nearly reached, reached the ceiling of my bedroom, and it, it said, um, everything will be all right. Go back to sleep. And <laughs> with that, I went back to sleep. Really? And when I woke in the morning, I could not understand why I went to sleep as I was terrified. I'm with you. Absolutely terrified. Obviously, yes. it put you to sleep. Yes, it did. And Most definitely. Probably the kindest thing it could have done for you. Yes, and I think so. Um, it I've sounds like it sounds like your charges are climbing the wall, actually. Yes, they are. Sorry. As soon as you want to make a call, they want to come inside. Um, but I've had many other experiences, unnatural experiences, um, or natural, I'm not sure. Uh, but that one was very concerning to me. I bet it was. What would you, if you had to guess about what it, what was that? An entity, a ghost, a shadow person? Uh, it, it had solid form. It was there. Um, I don't think it was a ghost. Somehow, I don't think it was a shadow person. Um, to this day, I don't know what it was. Um, and I'll tell you another experience is when I was in my early 20s, I was living in the city in Sydney with my boyfriend, and I woke up one morning, went and had a shower, and I found a whole lot of squiggles, so, like somebody had been um, drawing with red texture yes. or red pen on my stomach. Now, I'm a black girl. And so, but it was very, very bright. Wow. And I thought it was my boyfriend. So I went, got out of the shower, went and said, woke him up. And I said, what were you doing in the middle of the night drawing on my stomach? Right. I was very angry. 
And he said, don't be ridiculous. I did nothing of the kind. But what was most peculiar was that I, all my life I had an outy belly button, very predominantly out. And that from that moment on, he said, what happened to your belly button? It was gone. Wow, a positive experience. Kind of. <laughs> well, I was happy with my outfit. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I love it. All right. Thank you so much for the call. Oh, I'm very surprised that I got through. First well, you, time I tried, you, so you, thank you. Right. You call again. Thank you. Uh, pretty easy to get through if you're outside the U.S. and Canada because, um, uh, you know, there's just not as many people. If you think about it, in, in Europe, for example, it's very early morning right now. It's easier for the Aussies, the Japanese, maybe people in Hong Kong to get through, maybe Thailand. Uh, we're at a better time of day there. Who wants to call a talk show when they're just, you know, sitting at the kitchen table with their first cup of tea or something like that? So, all right, so where to go? Let's go to, I think, Buffalo, New York. You are on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. Hi. Um like everyone, ha- uh, you know, so happy that you're back. Oh, I'm uh, so happy to be back. You just don't know. Yeah, well, we've missed you. Um, two things. The other day you were talking about um, the car out of your window. It was going to be hit. Yes. And I tried com- calling in how you had that strong, strong feeling. Sure. And I wanted to mention the fact that uh, I had that one time about 30 years ago where I was um, – keeping score at the bowling alleys, and the little voice said, buy a ticket, buy a ticket for the 50-50 split, right. and I never spent money on it. And, um, so I, you know, I bought two tickets, and everybody was like, well, who's the winner? Who's the winner? And I go, I, I am. And they were like, well, how do you know? And I go, well, the ticket's in my pocket. I just know. And I did win. So that confirms your, you know, your story with the car. But as far as the ghost thing, um, there's a place in uh, south of Buffalo, it's Jamestown, and it's called Lily, uh, Lilydale. Right. I've gone there for seminars. And um, when you're dealing with spiritualism and mediumship, and um, they have prayers that you can open the door to communication, and they train you to become intuitive. I mean, we all are. Um, but there's a prayer, and I and I don't know if, uh, you know, if, if, do you want me to give you the prayer over the air? Um, I'll tell you what. Email it to me. I don't um, have a I'm, I'm you willing. Know what? It's a real simple one. You surround yourself with God's white light. I always say a prayer when I'm driving. Almighty God, surround me with the white light of your protection three times for body, soul, and mind. How about praying to keep those idiots away from me? Well, you know, and the thing is that when um, <laughs> my, I have dreams. My, my problem, always I, I always reach out with the negative, you know. Uh, you, you reach out and you send them back to if they don't come with the highest good and your best interest and intention you can empower yourself and send them back if they don't come with the highest good for your well your let's put it this way when you're doing 65 miles an hour let's say on the highway mm-hmm. somebody passes you doing about 80 and then they slow down in front of you to about 50 uh, mm-hmm. I want to send them somewhere but nowhere good well, you know what? That's where it's kind of crazy. You can call me nuts, but when I surround myself with the white light, I'm on the throughway, and every, and I go 60. Speed limit's 55. I'm not going crazy, but they're all passing anyway, even if I am going five over. But when I'm driving, it's uncanny how I look in the rear view, I look in the front, and I probably have about a four-car space in front and behind me. That's good. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's crazy how they – I have a circle around me. They're driving – 
there's 20 in front, there's 20 behind, but I've got a circle of freedom around me. Okay, so you think that that a circle of protection keeps trouble away? Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. well, it's either that. Thank you, thank you very, very much for the call. Uh, it's either that or, um, I don't know, like a, a machine gun mounted in the right place, which everybody who drives a lot wants. Well, you know, um, you... <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just me. That's really yeah, just no, me. All right, you're being funny and you're being, you know, uh, Actually, I'm, not. I'm really not. I'm, I'm being serious. I, I don't have a positive attitude about it. If someone does that to me, it's like I could strangle them. I could, with my bare hands, watch the breath go out of their bodies. Yeah, that's not good, though. <laughs> I know. Not good, but you know, but you can practice it. You can you can uh, surround yourself with white light. You can uh, uh, any negative coming your way, return to sender. Yeah, I mean, the only white light I want to see is the tail end of a Stinger missile headed toward them. <laughs> I, I appreciate your efforts anyway. I'll give it a try. And, if, and listen, if white light works, if good, wonderful vibrations actually do the trick, I'm willing to give it a try. Thank you very much for the call. I think we're going to uh, Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Hello, Art. Hello. How are you this evening? Um, I'm fine. Perplexed, but fine. I'm fine. Glad to hear that. Well, my name is Matt, and I am calling from Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And I just want to start by saying that it is an extreme honor to be able to speak with you. So thank you very much for taking my call. It's a, an honor to be here to take it. Believe me, I, well, I am so glad to be here. Well, I'm so everyone is so glad that you're back, so thank you for that as well. All right. But I just wanted to um, briefly discuss with you about a possible guest okay. that I would love to have you speak with. Absolutely. I'm not sure if you, I'm not sure you, you might have heard of her. Her name is uh, Dr. Judy Wood. And she is a Ph.D., and she's a brilliant woman. She has a, I, I don't think theory is quite the right word. Um, she's come to believe through her own examination, through her own expertise, that the World Trade Center was destroyed by a high-energy weapon, a, a free-energy weapon. The World Trade Centers, really. Um, but we have... All these high-resolution photographs of the airplanes crashing into them. Well, she doesn't really speak so much about um, the airplanes. I know with 9/11, there's a lot of theories. There's a lot of information out there. A lot of differing opinions. Oh, you're you're right about and, that, and and there are. But but we do have incontrovertible video proof of what hit them. Right. Well, it, that, be that as it may, um, she discusses more about the collapse. And what happened? I'm sure you're familiar with the Hutchinson effect. Did you ever speak with John Hutchinson? Oh yes. Okay, right. Yeah. Um, she uh, references the Hutchinson effect, and um, believe me, her research and her looking into this is so extensive. Um, I wouldn't be able to do it justice here with this few sh short minutes that I have with you. But um, she's a fascinating guest. Um, she's also caught the eye of many people, including Richard C. Hoagland, who's looked into this. And I don't know if you can say that he is a convert to her line of thinking, but I mean, it definitely you know caught his attention. Well, are you are you are you aware of the fact that he's got a show that follows mine? Absolutely. You know, Art, I used to fall asleep listening to you. Now I force myself to stay awake till three a.m. and I fall asleep to Richard. So he's got the pleasure now of being the one to lullaby me to sleep, so to speak. I'm not sure if I should be honored or um, I think I am. In other words, you now stay awake for me. 
and fall asleep with Richard. I do. I do. Nothing against Richard. It's just, you know, the human body can only stay awake for so long, and, you know, your program is can't miss in my book, so... Okay. All right. Well, bless your heart. Thank you very, very much. Uh, I appreciate your call. And listen well, to Richard. Uh, uh, He'll be here when I'm all done. All right? Very good. All right. I just want to say real quickly, um, I think it's important to say that uh, Dr. Wood doesn't go into so much the who or the why. She just goes into the what. Gotcha. All right. I, I've got to go on that. We'll be right back. This is Midnight in the Desert. I'm Leo Ashcraft. A woman in the UK who underwent a hysterectomy said she woke from surgery to find her doctor had removed two of her front teeth. Claire Jones, 47 of Newcastle, says she cannot believe that this happened and she still has not been able to get a straight answer from the hospital. Before the July 15th procedure, Jones had signed a declaration informing doctors at Royal Stroke University Hospital that she had one denture, which was then taken out. Doctors allegedly could not account for her additional missing teeth, which has now led to an investigation. A new jaw-dropping up-close video displays the eruption of the Python de la Fournaise volcano, located on Reunion Island in the Indian Ocean near Madagascar. New footage of the eruption, which prompted evacuation on Friday, shows the fiery rivers of lava running down the slopes. The eruption lasted for three days before ending on Sunday, shortly after 11 a.m. local time. This is a World Heritage Site and is one of the most active volcanoes in the world. The volcanic activity hampered the work of Malaysian investigators examining suspected debris of the MH370 flight found by beachcombers on Reunion Island on Wednesday. Malaysian Airlines flight MH370 went missing on March 8, 2014, with 239 people on board, shortly after taking off from the Malaysian capital of Kuala Lumpur en route to Beijing. Its disappearance prompted a massive international search lasting more than a year in the South Indian Ocean, the China Sea, and the Gulf of Thailand. An ex-aerospace worker came forward and admitted that the chemtrail devices that are being installed on airplanes are actually being installed, and the fact that he was one of the installers. And he goes on to share details about what they installed. He said they gutted the plane, mounted the tanks, installed the cables and lines and spraying devices. He says he was a civilian worker supervised by the military. When they were finished, they were told that this was a test conducted by the German Aeronautics and Space Administration, meaning that the plane with spraying devices goes ahead, while a second plane with measuring devices flies behind and conducts measurements. He said when they were finished with the installation, guys from the military came over and instructed them to wear full-body protective clothing and breathing masks because they were now going to fill the tanks and that the substances like aluminum sulfides or barium oxides would contain highly toxic nanoparticle-sized polymers. For additional information on chemtrails and the full story from World Truth TV, visit darkmatternews.com. Scientists have made the world's first white laser light. Since being invented in 1960, lasers have been put to use in all sorts of applications, from computers and printers to fiber optics and surgery. But for this entire period, there was one thing in particular that lasers simply could not do, produce white light. Now, a team of researchers has finally announced that they've managed just that. 
creating a device that can emit in any color across the visible spectrum, a requirement for white lasers. Normally, lasers can only produce a single wavelength, meaning that they are restricted to one particular color of light. This color is dictated by the structure of the semiconductor, which is usually a solid chemical element or compound arranged into crystals, and is what produces the light when a voltage is applied to it. The team of researchers from Arizona State University have been able to create a semiconductor that has three different sections, which, when stimulated, emit red, green, and blue, and thus combine to form white. The milestone puts lasers closer to eventually becoming a mainstream light source, brighter and more energy efficient. They could replace LEDs and even be used to make more accurate and vivid colors on computer and television screens. In addition, technology is under development to create light-based wireless communication, known as Li-Fi, which could potentially be more than 10 times faster than Wi-Fi. I'm Leo Ashcraft for Dark Matter News. Midnight in the Desert at 1-952-CALL-ART. That's 1-952-225-5278. It will soon be your tomorrow's. How right that is. Hi, everybody. I've always loved that, just the way that message is delivered. This is Midnight in the Desert on the Dark Matter Digital Network. I'm Art Bell. Public number 952-225-5278. Skype is easy peasy. You just uh, get Skype, put it on your phone. That's free, right? Then you put, if you're in North America or Canada, MITD51 in. That's MITD51. Call us. And then uh, if you're overseas, somewhere out of the country, this one I really want to emphasize, um, anywhere in the world, the rest of the world, pretty easy to get through because, well, it's a big world and a bad time elsewhere. So, uh Skype is a piece of cake. It's uh, MITD55. If you're outside the U.S. and Canada, MITD55. Now, we're discussing all kinds of things tonight. It's open lines. Don't feel bound to discuss shadow people. But if you do, I really would like the description of what you saw. I'm wondering if there's any commonality here. Um, What I saw really is haunting me, and I guess haunting is the right word. That doesn't mean it was a ghost. It means it's haunting me. Hello there, Brian. Hi, Art Brian from Montreal. From where? From Montreal. Okay. 
You're on. So first things first, I like to do the uh, art collar trifecta. <laughs> what would that be? So one, is this art? Two, am I on the air? And three, can you hear me? Um, yes, yes, and mostly. Perfect. <laughs> so I like to uh, quickly suggest uh, open lines uh, in the future. I sent this to you on Friday. And I just thought it'd be a good idea. Um, a children of time traveler line, perhaps. That you can open up, um, you know, one night and you're doing open lines because I think it'd be interesting. I tried, you know, but getting good time travelers is not an easy job. That's fair. I totally understand that, but I'm just figuring, you know, with the, uh, who knows how John Teacher actually spent his time here if he was supposedly here, right? Perhaps yeah, he yeah. Had you, you've got a good point. Uh, you father. don't, you don't have very good internet, but you've got a good point. I'm sorry about that. That's all right. No problem. Um, let me, uh, let me give out. Let me do it. I, I don't care. I mean, you know. We can do anything you want. Uh, let me open a time traveler line right now, just in case. Ready to copy, time travelers? If there really is a time traveler out there, call me at my Roswell number. That's right. It's routed through Roswell for a good reason. And the number is area code 575-208-6666. Any time travelers, the real McCoy now, area code 7, uh, pardon me, area code 575-208-7787, that's by request, I guess. All right, let's go to somebody in, I think, Nashville, Tennessee. Hi. Oh, hello, Arch. How are you? Very well, thank you. I don't know what the subject is because uh, I, I've had my radio turned down. Oh. Uh, what's the subject? Um, well, the subject is whatever you want it to be. Now, we were talking about shadow people or whatever in the hell they are, um, but <laughs> we can talk about anything you want. Okay. Well, first, can I give a plug for our new Art Bell Time Travelers Facebook page? You may. Okay, we have this brand new Art Bell Time Travelers Facebook page, and it's only been up like two or three days, and we've already got some really great people that have joined, and everybody loves you, and we're so glad you're back. Okay, what is the actual, what is the actual, uh, if you don't mind my asking, name of the Facebook page so people can, is it called Art Bell's Time Traveler or what? It's uh, Art Bell Time Travelers. They can put in up there in the search in the Facebook. They can just put Time Travelers, right? Or Art Bell Time Travelers, and it'll go right to it. Okay. Well, I'm sure that so, will attract some to you. I hope so. And we're <laughs> having fun, and we're enjoying you, and we missed you so much. You just don't realize how much we have missed you it being is on great the to air. Thank you so much. And, uh, and we're hearing you on shortwave here too. Ted oh. Randall's got it playing, you know, on five zero eight five. Right. And it's re- it comes in very well. Uh, I, I love the way a southern person says that five five zero eight five. I know. I know. I know what you think about us. All Not at all. No, I, I actually love the accent. I love it. Well, thank you, but you know that I, there's not much I can do about it. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Um, a lot of singers, whether they're from the South or not, 
when they sing, pronounce the things as though they're from the South. Ah. Really? Yeah, I, I becomes I. And, and so Are you forth talking forth. about country country music singers? Not, not just country music singers, but any singers. I it's never a, noticed that it's before. It's the truth. Anyway, yeah. anyway, so I like your accent. Thank you very, very much for the call. And let me add, in addition to an apparent time traveler page, I'm learning through, um, you know, I get all these messages that come, th- come through the wormhole. Striker says, tune in has its own chat room for any channel, so there are plenty of us chatting about the show in there. I had no idea. These chat sites and different things pop up all over the place. All right, on what I called my time traveler line, I'll give it a try. You're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art Bell. Are you really a time traveler? No, actually. I was availing myself of the... uh... Why, did I call the wrong number? Oh, yeah, you sure did. Sorry. Um, that that was for time travelers, and uh, so I had to... Let me try it again. Try it again. Time traveler line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi. Um, does it count if it's a time traveler story about a child seeing a time traveler? Um, all right, I've been wanting to tell you this story for years. When I was a little girl, nine years old... I um I believe I saw a time traveler. Well, wait a minute. Let me qualify you first. Now, this is a time traveler's line. Are you a time traveler? No, but I saw one when I was a child. Okay. Well, how do you know you saw one? I'll, I might go for this. Go well, ahead. I believe I did. All right. Um, I was um in my backyard, and I was about nine years old, and it was after dinner. I was pulling up my bike out of our cellar, out of the cellar stairs, yes. and I turned back, and I looked behind me, and there was a man standing in my backyard about 30 feet. There was no way he could have gotten in there. And he looked kind of shocked or kind of confused. Yeah, but what makes he, him a time traveler? He was, out, he was out of time. His clothing was out of time. Oh. His, um, his clothes were like in the 50s, and this was like... 1977, 1978, and he had like he had like um, a haircut that you would have in the 50s, and a type of shirt and khaki pants. And then, as I was pulling the bike out, I looked back, I saw him, looked forward again, and then I realized, wait a minute, this is something wrong. I turned back around, and he was gone. And there was no way he could have left my yard. There was no way he was too far from the gate. Okay, well. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Let, thank you. I'm gonna let you slip through barely on that. I really want. Now I'm gonna be strict about this. That line that I gave out is for time travelers only. All right. Let me give you the number again, so you don't make a mistake. You better be a time traveler if you call this line. It is area code five seven five two zero eight seven seven eight seven. Non-time travelers, well, I've got a little button here, and I can send 130,000 volts right through this phone line. So the uh, uh, potential um, danger for you extends beyond being hung up on. Time travelers only. Kurt, hello? On Skype, you're on the air. Hello, Kurt. 
No. Hello, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, you sorry, are I there. I have my mute button on. Oh, that'll do uh, it. Let me turn my radio off. Doggone it! I'm sorry. I came up fast. Oh uh, well. That's how are you, how how are you doing? Doing well. Thank you. I wanted to tell you about. I wasn't a well. I want to tell you about a little time travel story that happened to me. Okay. Uh, I was in. <clears throat> oh, I'm getting nervous. <sighs> okay. Big deep w- breath. <sighs> okay, yeah. I was in uh, high school. And the marching band in the uh, uh, hour one, uh, we would march out on the field and practice. You know, in halftime, you do all the designs on the field. Mm-hmm. And so that first hour, I, I think it was a sophomore at that time. And uh, there I am and have my saxophone and in line. And, uh, and uh, Diana, one of my, happened to be my cousin too by marriage, but she, Played saxophone with me too, and we're standing there. And all of a sudden, somebody comes walking out on that field. Look, just spit an image of me. It was me walking out on that field. Oh my! L- looked at me. Looked at and Diana. Said Curtis, looking at him. Said laugh, Curtis. There you are. And he looked at me, or I looked at me, and he went up and talked to Mr. Yeager, our band director there in front, and went up there and. Uh, whatever he said, I have no idea. And he walked away and looked back at me and walked away, and I never saw him again. And you're sure that was you? It was me. It was a spitting image of me. Were but you? I didn't know. I okay, just know young, that it was me. a younger you, an older you? It or... was the same age as I was oh, as a sophomore, but it was a spitting image. Even Diana said, Curtis, there you are, laughing, and people looking around laughing. And I said, what was I to think? But then the next year, no, two years later, when I was a senior, I was I had to do the announcements and say the pledge, being president. I had made president, and so that was my duty. Second hour, I'd go in there and do the announcements. I forgot to go in and do the announcements on this one Tuesday or Wednesday, and there I'm sitting in geometry class, and my voice comes up on the air to do the pledge <laughs> and do the announcements, and there I'm sitting listening to myself on the announcements. Right. I so yeah, in other words, you met your. I I believe you. you thank you very much. You, no need to swear. I believe you. Met yourself twice outside the country. We go. Hello, Raymond. How are we doing? It's going well. Where are you, my friend? I'm in I'm in Edinburgh, my friend. Where? It's good to see you. I'm in Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's good to hear you back on the radio, Mark. It's good to be back. As well as me. Uh, I was just want to talk about one when I stayed in the flats one time. You what? And I seen a, 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 I stayed in the flats in a blocky flat, and I was sitting, feeling out my window, like getting a big ball. Okay, you're like, cutting out a like, little on me, and and you besides that, you have an accent that I could cut with a knife, but I'm trying. So you were in a flat in Milwaukee, was that right? No, I was in a flat. No, oh, I'm sorry, you cut off. How did I manage to get a flat in Milwaukee out of that? I don't know. <laughs> kind of sounded like it. Um, going to a cell phone in Virginia, hello. Hey, this is uh, Plasmon Polariton in Virginia, listening on 5085 kilohertz, shortwave WTWW. We transmit worldwide, a great station, and uh, if you've got a shortwave radio that picks up 60 meters, you can listen to it for free. Yes, sir. Over the air. That's right. Now, um, I, I am um, 
also a little bit familiar with this phenomenon you were talking about before that uh, with the computer screens. And in fact, years ago, I developed a thing called pattern light, which is very similar to what they're now using for the backlighting, where they, they move the lighting around to follow the video. Really? And I think that may be what's going on. I was able to make a machine using pattern light that, that allowed large groups of people to dream together and have the same dream right away. Really? Yeah. Now, what what started you doing that? I was working on an exhibit at the Science Museum of Virginia, yeah. and I was working late at night one night, and I, I was standing across the room looking at the s display. It was basically a simple LED large-sized display for a rocket countdown, right. and I noticed all these speckles in the light, and I said, well, wait a minute, I'm getting coherence like from a laser out of this. There's no coherence in that light. I started investigating and finally discovered that coherence was inside my own neural network, inside my skull. Wow. Um, and I was able to refine that to the part where I had six styles that I could tune, and everybody see the same thing the same way because their neural networks are similarly wired. Okay, how did you get from you know experimenting on yourself to others? Uh, I made a device to experiment on myself, and then when I realized that it worked on others, I pulled in several more headsets to wear, and you know I plugged them all into the same thing, and we had had uh, parties where we'd tune around and dial up what was in our neural networks and people would gasp and be awed at the same thing at the same time when we asked them what they just saw. Oh. So what have you done you with this? Even dial up, Art, you could even dial up an extra visual field on top of your other one so you could see right through things. So what you're saying about wow. seeing through things yes. makes a lot of sense to me. Well, I definitely saw through this thing. I would say you know, the room was fairly dark, but it obscured only about half, I would say half, of what was behind it, what I could see behind it, to give you an idea. Mm -hmm. That's why I want people that to describe these things to me, um, because I know exactly, no, I don't know what I saw, but I, I can describe what I saw. All right, it's so good to have you back. I'm a long-time listener, and I've got one comment I'd like to make about how you're pioneering a new way of delivery. I mean, I know a lot of people have done online streaming, but the way you're doing it, I think, is kind of pioneering. And the one drawback that I see in this plan is that people got to pay a lot for bandwidth, and that's not your fault. That's the way bandwidth costs in the United States, and it should. Yeah, but you know what? A, you know what? There's a patch around this. You know, well, there is, um, for one thing, at this time of night, my friend, the majority of people are at home, and so if they're using the Wi-Fi on their phone or their tablet, it's not costing them, or their computer, it's not costing them anything. Yeah, it depends on what kind of package they got for for Internet uh, service. That, that may well be true. But there's people on the road and truckers and the like that really can't partake. And there's a lot of rural people who simply do not have uh, rural Internet. True. There's a thing called White Spaces Radio Networks, which was approved in 2010 by the FCC and, and, and went operational in 2012, and it's just sitting there fallow, unused. And if the listeners would support this and band together and form co-ops with this new White Spaces Internet service, they could become their own service providers. Okay. And what? they could do it for both the uplink and the downlink. How do you get to it? 
Well, first of all, what's happening now is it's about to be destroyed by a move in Congress started by a bill introduced by Senator Mark Warner in Virginia, unfortunately, that wants to take up the UHF TV spectrum, which is the largest spectrum grant ever given to the American public in 1952, and repackage it and remove all the white spaces so we can't have it. And I would like your listeners to think seriously about how how nice it would be to have about, uh, you know, 15 or 16 TV channel channels worth of spectrum in your portable device. Okay, well, you are aware that, I mean, most of the companies providing Internet now, along with phone service, are increasing drastically the amount of uh, 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 data that you can get. Uh, and I'll, right. I'll tell you a little secret. If you call them up and say, listen, you know, I'm kind of fed up. I'm thinking of canceling. They will send you over to a retention person who probably will increase by a gigabit or more how much they give you just to save you. I agree with all that, but if you're a road trucker, you may not be able to get a plan because there's no connectivity out in the, you know, some of the rural areas along the roads. And there's a lot of areas in the southwest that are just dead for, oh, for yeah. except for satellites. I know. Now, if you can, if you can have a satellite downlink with these little spot beams coming from the, uh, the FCD satellite and then have that be propagated out to the surrounding by a, a, a mesh network. Right. Then local communities could set up their own downlink and, and, and internet service provider amongst themselves like, uh, like a rural electrical co-op. And then you could have a KU band downlink to feed your show so you don't have to have huge bandwidth that you're in. All right, buddy. I've got to go. I'm at break. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Take care. He's right, and I'm right, too. We'll talk about bandwidth. It's not really so bad for this show.
Midnight in the Desert. To call the show, if you're east of midnight, call 1-952-CALL-ART. If you're west of midnight, call 1-952-225-5278. you got to love that. Hi, everybody. I'm Art Bell, and this is Midnight in the Desert, rocking and just blazing through the night. Our guest didn't show up, and, uh, case of raw. You know, that doesn't stop the show. In fact... It, it goes on with zest. Hi there. Um, on my time traveler line, are you a time traveler? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, oh yeah. Just like that, huh? Yeah. Okay. Um, you're, yeah. you're definitely a time traveler? Without a doubt, Art, I am a time traveler. All right. From what year do you originate? Well, I'll tell you how I did it, Art. I went backwards in time from the year 2010. I went back to 1915. This is just one one time. That was 19, the, 19 what? 50? No, 1915. 1915. 1915. All right. No, no. Yeah, exactly. I went to the Indianapolis 500 on Salvia Divinorum, and I stuck my head in through the bleachers, and I was there. Really? Um, I received the last lap, the checkered flag, which is coming down. Um People were going uh, crazy in the stands, waving their flags, and turned to the left, and I could see these old cars coming. I'm like, wow, man, this is too much. I'm not even really a race fan. I'm thinking, okay. this is fantastic. And uh, I wanted to tap somebody on the shoulder and say, here's my phone number. Call me in 10 minutes. I'll be back. <laughs> okay. uh, I've also gone back to the 1950s on Salvia Divinorum, and it's pretty common. All right. All right. I, I want to ask so. you a, a couple of questions, please. Uh, one is, by what method? If you can tell us, do you travel in time? By smoking salvia divinorum. What the heck is that? Salvia is a hallucinogenic herb from Oaxaca, Mexico. Uh, it's safe and it's legal, and it's ten times stronger than LSD. All right. So, how do you know? How do you know you're actually traveling in time versus so high you can't even move? Uh, I think the reality factor. And the fact it only lasts for five minutes and you're back and able to recall it completely. Um, yeah, there is that. Um, there is that. So, uh, uh, hmm. Let's see. Have you ever I gone into that. the future? No, because the future hasn't happened yet. I don't believe uh, people can travel into the future. Some, um, some claim they can. My experience, uh, my experience has always been backwards. Fascinating. And... Uh, I just believe that the the, uh, the key to time travel is going to be drugs, and it's it's not a machine. It's going to be a substance. Uh, Terrence McKenna said that, and I agree with him. And he says Salvia Divinorum is the key. All right, I and appreciate. Yeah, yep, yep. I uh, very much, I very much appreciate your call. Thank you. And uh, Terrence very well may have said that. And you know, I, I I'm not ruling it out. I'm really not ruling it out. I don't. I'm not a proponent of drugs at all, but you can't rule it out. It may well be that time travel could turn out ultimately to be a function of the brain. A lot of movies are based on that. One of my favorite movies of all time, Somewhere in Time, was actually based on that. If you've never seen that movie, make it a point to do it Somewhere in Time. Okay, where to go? Uh, let's go to Michael on Skype. Michael, hello. 
Yeah, good morning, Art. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Where are you? I am in Virginia. Virginia. Yep. Be- beautiful, uh, beautiful part of the country. It is. It really is, yeah. So uh, I have a couple plus one questions for you. Okay. If that's all right. Sure. So I called into uh, Richard Hoagland's program, Other Side of Midnight, last yes. week. Yes, yes. And uh, I asked him if he had considered doing a three-hour show instead of the two hours. Actually, he has. Yeah, that's what he said. He said he was interested, but he wasn't sure if the network would go along with that. Mm. So my question to you is, have you given any consideration to uh, Richard's show going three hours? I have. He, he said to me, Art, you know, I don't know if two hours is enough you know, to sure. get deeply into the subject he, he wants to get into. And um, I said, look, Richard, why don't you do this? Why don't you try to for a while and see how you do? And if you want to go to three, probably the space can be made. Ah, okay. So there is an, an option for that. Awesome. Oh, yeah, sure there is. I've really been enjoying that show. It's got kind of an audio verite flavor to it. It, it does. Fun. It does. <laughs> it's like, what's coming next? You never know. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You okay, so uh, my second question is, um, I know that, that you haven't been actively pursuing it, but are you aware of any other um, terrestrial radio stations across the country that have expressed interest in picking up your show as an affiliate? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we have. Ooh, and, well, you know what? We're not. You're absolutely right. We're not aggressively pursuing it. Uh, we haven't called any of these stations that have joined mm-hmm. us. Uh, they all came to us, and I'm still not sure. I mean, I guess it's cool, but, you know, this is such an experiment we're doing um, that I don't know what direction we're going to go. Ultimately, maybe, we'll, you know, the commercials will go and we'll be listener-supported. I don't know. Sure. You know, everything's open. I think that having terrestrial stations gives you a, a larger audience, certainly, right? Um, um, you know what? That's changing. Um, in, and certainly now that is true, yes. Yes. And I'm not going to, you know, as I said, I'm not going to turn them down. I can't think of any reason to turn them down. And Why we'll, would you, right? Yeah, sure. And we'll give them the ratings, guaranteed. There's okay, this, so. Th- let, me, <laughs> let me go on. There's this interesting experiment going on up in Portland. We're on a big one there, KXL. Big, 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 right? And when the ratings come out, there's going to be, hmm, there's going to be a shock that goes across the American radio community. And I'll leave it at that. Mm, oh, exciting. <laughs> I certainly hope that, that, uh, that you're, Getting good ratings up there. Uh-huh. Anyway, my my final question is is one that sort of just came up in the past hour. Sure. Um, apparently, the the host of the other unlistenable show has um, promoted this evening that how their streaming service hasn't had a price increase and whatnot. <laughs> but this coming from the guy who claims to never play dirty pool, right? You know, the guy just He's cannot. Always above board, right, Art? He just can't help reacting, Kenny. No, he can't. He's scared, and why wouldn't he be? You're Art Bell, and he's not, right? Yeah, well, I hear that he's crowdfunded <laughs> his way to uh, the star system to Merrick, where he'll probably <laughs> attempt, a, attempt a landing on the planet. At 11-11, I'm sure. Ridulai. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you wouldn't suspect that tonight's scheduled guest was, I don't know, advised by the other show to 
abandoned his appearance? Oh, would who you? knows? Who knows? I, I, mm. I, I doubt that. I, I oh, doubt I don't. Anyway, it doesn't so matter to me. I, you know, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'd rather do open lines anyway. Fair enough, Art. Uh, we're very, very happy to have you back, and I uh, hope you have a good day. Roswell's to you. Take care, bud. Um, yeah, I'm easy. I really am easy. I mean, I, I can go any way at all. If I have a guest that doesn't show up, huh, well, you know, that's life. Um, I Life goes on and all that stuff, so we'll just do whatever is fun. That's the cool thing about, I suppose, two things. One being my age and two, um, doing something you love. It's not like all stops, you know, when, uh, when somebody doesn't show up. I just, it's okay. What's next? Julie, uh, hello, Julie from somewhere. Hey, Art. Thanks for taking my call. We're so glad you're back on the air. Thank you for making it. Where are you, Julie? I'm in Fircrest, Washington. Okay. So my husband listens a little bit more religiously than I do, and he mentioned that you were looking for the Washington State Patrol trooper that feeds Bigfoot. That's right. So I don't know that guy, but I did go to my trooper friend's house last night, and we mentioned the story to him, and he had a kind of funny story to tell us that there was a candidate to be a trooper and um, they have to take a polygraph examination before they can become troopers okay. and they they asked him they said you know they asked a series of questions that they've already asked them and he answered in the affirmative when they said have you ever been the subject of a police investigation and he was kind of sheepish and looked down a little bit and he said yeah and they said well you haven't disclosed this before so what's the deal? And he says, well, I used to dress up in a Bigfoot costume <laughs> and went across the highway. <laughs> and the police ended up investigating it. He never got caught. but And That's he's funny. a trooper to this day. I don't know his name. My friend didn't disclose that, but it was pretty funny. I thought All right. Well, the story about the trooper in Washington seeing Bigfoot is real. So if you can get me a name, I'm Art Bell at ArtBell.com. Well, I'll try, but... I don't know that anyone's going to disclose that. but Well, he can talk to me anonymously, really. I'll figure out a way. We'll change his voice. I don't care. I just want to interview the guy. He's 20 feet from Bigfoot. He feeds Bigfoot. I want to talk to him. All right, well, I'll let him know and see if, see if they want to talk to you. Please, thank you. Tell him, uh, email me, and I will, you know, I'll figure out a way. I guarantee I'll figure out a way. Okay, here we go. Time Traveler Line, you are on the air. Good evening, Mr. Bell. Good evening. Uh, Are you really a time traveler? I have uh, traveled one time to visit my son. One time to travel, uh, traveling to visit your son. Um, Well, my son arranged the transportation. I see. Okay. Okay. and your son was when? Uh, 2060. 2060. Okay. I guess your son could be that age. And you actually, how, how did you do it? That's the first question. Well, as I say, he arranged it. And the reason that I'm calling before I answer your question is because he's very interested in 
revealing some facts about the future um, that might cause a, a spinoff in the space-time continuum and provide other possibilities for alternative futures. Hmm. Okay. Um, having said that, how did you travel? Was it a machine? Is it something you did with drugs like our caller a little while ago? What? Well, uh, I, I, without being too specific, I was told to go to a specific location. Uh, I met some people there. They were very polite and friendly, and they placed me in this device, kind of a, a bell-shaped unit. And it, to look at it, it, it looked really ancient. I mean, it, it didn't look like something that, you know, was from the future. Right. And within moments, I was with my son, uh, where he lives on, on Mars, actually. Your son lives on Mars? Yes. Okay, see, that's harder to believe than traveling in time. Well... How does he live so, on Mars? Uh, by I mean, by then, have we established a colony? Well, he lives in a colony of 200,000. So we have a big colony. And and, and are, all this by the are, year 2060? Yes. Uh, Man, we can't even get the spaceship. Uh, you know, we can't yeah. even... All right, thank you. I, I'm not buying that. And the reason is that, um, you know, we can't even get up to the International Space Station anymore. So, a colony of hundreds of thousands on Mars by 2060? I don't see it. I just don't see it. But then again, you know, technology's uh, pretty wild. No question about that. All right, let's go to somebody whose name... No, we'll hold that. We'll go to the phone. We should be going back to the phone. Laguna Beach, I think. You're on the air. Hi, I can't believe it. Oh, my gosh. Hello, Art. <laughs> Hello. Thank you. Oh, my God, this... This is Sylvia from Laguna Beach. Roswell's to you. Thank you. Oh, I'm so happy you're back. <laughs> well, I'm so happy you're so happy at this time of night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have so many stories I want to tell you. I don't know which one to tell. I'm just going to... Well, here's uh, the thing. Take the most shocking, interesting one and tell me that one. Okay, then. I will tell you about my father's visitation to me two months after he died. This is what happened. This little bit of backstory, I'll be as quickly as possible so I can get to the point. Um, I was dating a man for a couple of years, and he wasn't an American citizen. He was from Asia. Right. And he had decided to go back to his country to visit his mother. Right. And I said, that's fine. No problem. Go see her. She misses you. So he leaves and never comes back. Oh. And I'm thinking, okay, that's weird. What's going on? A year later... I find him on Facebook, and it turns out that he was already a married man with kids, and that everything about him was a lie. And I felt so deceived by this, and not only was I, I felt deceived for uh, what he did to me, but I thought about my parents and how he had deceived them as well. And I wanted to tell my parents at the time, but unfortunately, my father was dying from brain cancer, and I figured he can't be burdened by this. Right. So I never said a word. Right. Two, two months later, uh, I mean, uh, excuse me, uh, on November, my father had passed away. And two months later, 
he came to me in a dream. And in the dream, he was normal, cancer-free, very young, I would say in his, in his 30s. Oh. And he was furious. He was so furious. And he's gripping my boyfriend by the shoulder. Mm. He's looking him hard like, you're not going anywhere. And he's looking straight, my father's looking straight at me in the eye. And he says to me, you have to tell her. And I'm thinking, who? What are you talking about, Daddy? And then he shouts. He goes, mija. And that means my daughter in Spanish. He goes, mija. <laughs> I know everything. See, now we're talking about a real dad here. Did you hear the poor lady <laughs> who called about the hex earlier? I did. Yeah. Oh, my God. That gave me chills. Who would? Well, I, can't, I couldn't believe that. Oh, my God. Anyway, my father says to me, you know, you have to tell his wife what happened. Right. And then I said to my dad, Daddy, I can't. There's no way that I can contact him. And then he says to me, go on Facebook. She just joined. Mm -hmm. And I wake up. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm having a heart attack. It was such a vivid dream. And I'm thinking, that was a fluke. That can't be real. But, of course, curiosity got to me. And I decided to go on Facebook. Right. So I go on Facebook I find my boyfriend's Facebook account, and there's an update. It's linked with his wife's Facebook account. And so I click on her name, and I see her Facebook page, and it says at the very bottom, just joined one hour ago. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I lose and I got to go, but what a story. Thank you. You know, even law enforcement uses Facebook to find people now. So I'm not surprised, but sheesh, what a story. This is uh, Midnight in the Desert. I'm Art Bell. Stay right there. Exclusively on the Dark Matter Digital Network with Art Bell. Invite you to call now. 1-952-CALL-ART. That's 1-952-225-5278. You know, besides, um, over there, if they're charging, you know, for value of content, they ought to be lowering the price anyway, wouldn't, wouldn't you think? <sighs> 
Let's go to Cam. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hi, Cam. How are you? <laughs> Good. I like that last comment there. Yeah, well. Um, hey, what a great show. Who needs a guest when you got all these callers? Well, there is that. I just put Skype on my phone tonight, and this is the first time I'm trying it. I'm so you see, you see how well it. Oh, an echo? Really? Let's see. Let me turn down the volume. Actually, you sound cool to me. Okay. Oh, what are you on? Actually, a computer or a phone? Uh, iPhone six plus. Uh, iPhone six. Oh, a plus, huh? You know, I always wondered about those. It's like holding a, I don't know, big thing to your ear. Yeah, but I kind of liked it for the bigger screen, and then later I got glasses, so maybe I didn't need that. But um, well, l- like let it. me tell you, your audio here is like you're sitting next to me. That's how good it is. Oh well, great, thanks. You're very well. With uh, uh, when I hear you over my mixer, I just turned it down. You sound like you're sitting in my room with me too. So. <laughs> there you just have it. Like that. Hey, I wanted to share a um, shadow cat story, but first I wanted to express my concern over anybody that dresses up as Bigfoot and walks across the highway at night. Boy, no Um, joke. You know, there's uh, been talk about the first person that can shoot one and capture it It should be not illegal or something. So it's really dangerous to dress up as Bigfoot in the Northwest and walk across the highway. It sure is. And and I, I wonder how it would resolve if you shot what appeared to be a Bigfoot, and it turned out to be some idiot in a costume. I wonder legally how that would come down. I guess the guy could say, look, this monster was coming at me, and I was scared for my life, right? Yeah, I mean, I think technically shooting the first Bigfoot may not be illegal, but so... Well, um, if it's a real Bigfoot, yes. Yeah. Sure. But, I mean, if you if he's tall and you really thought he was Bigfoot, you know, <laughs> I don't know. So. Yeah, it's a good point, uh, and I, I really appreciate it. Anything else? Well, my shadow cat story. Yes. I bought my house some years ago, and uh, it's an older house, and I had my friend with me, and we were taking out a temporary wall, and we pulled back the, the ugly paneling, and we both saw this, what we thought was a cat, jump out from behind the paneling in the wall and run out the front. But when we both acknowledged it to each other, we realized... First of all, it, it had no solid form. It was black. It was kind of fuzzy, and it mm. dissipated once it got out of the room. Ooh, that's just weird. Turned into nothing. So, but we both saw it at the same time. Well, see, there you are. You both saw it. Now we've got a sighting by two people. Yeah. Yeah. Very impressive. Thank you very much. And I submit to you that that really counts. When two people see it. My word for it, you don't have to take my word for it, even though I guarantee you what I told you was the absolute truth. But if two people see it or more, that has some pretty serious meaning in my mind. Uh, Kimberly, with a bunch of zeros, I can't read the number, but Kimberly, you're on the air. Hi. Hello, Kimberly. Oh, I guess she she bailed. She was uh, probably somewhere outside the country. Um, no idea where, but uh, Kimberly, um, you would have been on the air. All right, uh, not a lot of time, so let's go to Larry. You are on the air. Hello. Me? You. Holy crow, yeah, Extinguish we'll your device. There we go. There you go. Hey, I talked to you. My God, it had to be, I don't know, way back when you first started. I and I wanted to talk to you, and uh, you put me on. I'm getting nervous. Probably back when you were young, huh? 
Well, yeah, we were both lying <laughs> over. <laughs> All right. But um, you, I got put on hold, and then we, we lost contact. I never got a chance to get back to you. I'm so glad you're back on the air. Well, here you are. Anyway, I was always wondering if you and I had met in nominally boat docks <laughs> way back when, because <laughs> I was on that, you know. He's talking about Okinawa. I, I'm sorry? I said you're talking about Okinawa. A lot of people don't yeah, know that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the, uh, you know, the GIs weren't allowed to go there, but I did. We did. My, Me and my buddies. But, well, uh, it was pretty cool. Um, I was at first military there, of course, but I turned around and went back to Okinawa as a civilian. And right. I, and I lived in Naha, so I was all over the place there. You can bet on it. Right. I was stationed at Naha. Well, there you are. And uh, this would have been like 1967. Sounds about right. Oh, my God. We got to talking about tasers and lasers and all this stuff. And Sounds like uh, me. Way back when, and... I always wondered if it was you that, you know, years later, I hear you on the air, and, geez, I wonder if that was that fellow. <laughs> yeah, sounds like me, all right. Oh, my. All right, and, my friend. Uh, I'm, listen, I'm short on time. i got to go. I've got to look for somebody overseas very quickly. Hello? Hello? Ito, hi. Uh, hello? Hello? Oh, is this me? It's you. Ha, <laughs> ha, Ido, where where are you? Yes, where are you calling from? Ireland. Ireland. Excellent. Yes. Is that Art Bell? Yes, this is Art Bell. But Art Bell, I'm delighted to speak to you. I'm honored. Hello. I'm honored to speak with you. However, listen to me. We're coming up on a break, and I have to take these breaks. I I have absolutely no choice. So I understand. um, Can you uh, can you hold on through the break? I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah no problem. All right, That's all right, great. it's free, so um, hang loose. We'll get back to you in Ireland. Worldwide, on the Internet, this is Midnight in the Desert. I'm Art Bell. I hear the drums echoing tonight. She hears only whispers of some quiet conversation. For Dark Matter News, I'm Leo Ashcraft. Flying snakes. While that may sound strange, flying snakes actually exist. The mystery of how flying snakes stay aloft may have been solved by scientists, though. These unusual reptiles, which are found in rainforests in Southeast Asia, are able to fling themselves from trees and elegantly glide through the air. Scientists say that the serpents radically alter their body shape to generate the aerodynamic forces needed to perform this feat. Professor Jake Sosha from Virginia Tech, who carried out the study, said the snake is definitely not an intuitive glider. When you look at it, you'd say that thing should not be able to glide. And in its normal body configuration, that's probably true. But when it enters the air, when it takes off and jumps and leaps from a branch, it massively transforms its body. As it jumps, it flattens out from just behind the head to where the tail starts. What it is doing is taking its ribs and rotating them forwards towards the head and upwards towards the spine. The snake's body changes from having a very round cross-section to one that is more squashed and concave at the bottom. 
He said the snake was producing an aerodynamic force that was comparable to that created by a scaled-down plane wing. As it's doing this, it's moving its head from side to side. It is passing waves down the body, and it looks like the animal is swimming in the air. The team says the snake could help to inspire robotic development, potentially leading to machines that can crawl, climb, and glide. This is Dark Matter News. A new jaw-dropping up-close video displays the eruption of the Python de la Fournais volcano, located on Reunion Island in the Indian Ocean near Madagascar. New footage of the eruption, which prompted evacuation on Friday, shows the fiery rivers of lava running down the slopes. The eruption lasted for three days before ending on Sunday, shortly after 11 a.m. local time. This is a World Heritage Site and is one of the most active volcanoes in the world. The volcanic activity hampered the work of Malaysian investigators examining suspected debris of the MH370 flight found by beachcombers on Reunion Island on Wednesday. Malaysian Airlines flight MH370 went missing on March 8, 2014, with 239 people on board, shortly after taking off from the Malaysian capital of Kuala Lumpur en route to Beijing. Its disappearance prompted a massive international search lasting more than a year in the South Indian Ocean, the China Sea, and the Gulf of Thailand. CNN has reported that worms can invade your brain if you eat this common food. Once you consume them, they can move throughout your body, your eyes, your tissues, and most commonly, your brain. They leave doctors puzzled in their wake as they migrate and settle to feed on the body they're invading. A classic parasite, but this one can get into your head. A British man was found to have a tapeworm moving inside his brain in 2013. This form of tapeworm had never been seen before in the United Kingdom. The patient had recently visited China, which along with South Korea, Japan, and Thailand has more regular occurrences of the parasite known as Spirometra. Four years earlier, the man had first experienced symptoms such as headaches, which the team of doctors had treated as tubular colosis, but then it returned. This time he had new symptoms. The worm was now pushing on a new part of his brain, causing seizures and weakness in his legs. The condition associated with this infection was in fact spargonosis. There is no known drug to effectively treat the infection, meaning that upon diagnosis, doctors had to be quick to remove the worm surgically. The adult form of the spirometra tapeworm only occurs in the intestines of cats and dogs, but as these animals shed the worm's eggs in their feces, the eggs can enter and contaminate water. The resulting juvenile form of tapeworm, known as larvae, can then stay in water within certain small crustaceans or end up in frogs and snakes. As larvae, they can invade humans through ingestion or direct contact with infected animals. I'm Leo Ashcraft for Dark Matter News. Into this house we're born Into the 
this world withdraw. While midnight sweeps across America, you've found an oasis for the mind. To call Midnight in the Desert, please dial 1-952-CALL-ARTS. That's 1-952-225-5278. Some of you feel I gave the guy with the sun on Mars short shrift. Maybe he can call back. How about that? We'll bend the rule for that. Maybe I should have listened a little more. It just, I don't know, it caught me as unlikely, but one never knows. This is Midnight in the Desert, and one with this really never knows. Back now to, is it, help me pronounce your name, is it Ido or Ido? Hello? Uh, hello? Yes, hi. I'm here. My name is Colin. I'm from Ireland. Uh, oh, Carlin, your your Skype says IDO. Oh, I, I, I do I, not know. Yes, oh, yeah, that's a silly name. I do not know because uh, it doesn't really don't. say that though. It says IDO space N O T K N O W. I get I get I it now. I, I do not. know. You get it okay. now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do not know basically. Right. How are you, man? Uh, um, great show. Thank you. I missed most of it today, but uh, usually. I, I get your show from somewhere on TuneIn, you know? Well, now and, now we uh, have these archives. I've before. We have archives, and you can go back and listen to old shows. Pretty cool. cool. I'd love to hear this again, because I really didn't didn't think I'd get through. <laughs> okay, if you go to artbell.com, that's my name, yeah. a- A-R-T-B-E-L-L.com, uh, you can sign up there, and um, right now it's 5 bucks, and then you get grandfathered in at 5 bucks. It's really cool. Cool. That, no, that sounds good to me because uh, no, I, I want to support your show. It's awesome that you're back. Thank um, you. Thank you. Um, am I am I on air like right now? Oh, like right now? Yes. Oh, <laughs> I nearly I nearly cursed actually. Sorry. You see, we don't. You probably don't have much time with me. So, uh, no, just thank you very much for taking my call. It's awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad to get through. Um, I'd like to suggest a few things today. If that's cool, no. Go ahead. Um, have you ever heard of this uh, mythical island off the coast of Ireland that uh, was on maps up until 1872? What's the name of it? I thought, uh, High Brazil, it's called. High Brazil, no. Well, wait a yeah, minute, may, maybe you I may, have. You may be able to find an expert on that, you know. Um, what's the deal? Um, basically, it was a tiny little, it's a mythical island, you know, Irish myth sort of thing. Sure. And it... it uh, it vanished in the fog, you know, that sort of, it was only seen once, uh, once every year or so. Yes. And I just thought it was a pretty cool subject. You might be able to get somebody on it. Uh, I would, I'd love to. You're in a better place to, you know, get that person for me than I am. It sounds cool, yeah. I can't really get much information on it, but I'll send you links if I find something, you know. Would sounds you cool. please? Yeah, of course, of course. And we have on Doverku as well as, uh, a lake creature as well I'm interested in. I'd like to hear somebody who knows stuff about that for a link. Oh, we've heard about your creatures. Yeah. So I would love <laughs> to hear more about we that. Thank you, those. <laughs> all right, buddy. Thank you very much for the call, all the way yeah. from Ireland. Thank you for taking my call. You're very welcome. Yeah. Let me let me very quickly go to um, my time traveler line. Hello. Hello. Are you the? Are you. You're the guy, aren't you? I'm the guy. Yeah. With the sun on Mars. I, yeah, I did. I cut you off too soon. Uh, what else can you tell us? I mean, 200,000 people, well, th- that's a I lot. I can tell you that, you, you, you know, 
I, I live in the present. I mean, I, you know, I was born in 1956, so I, I am from now, but the, um, the, the, the drive that enabled or will enable them to, uh, colonize really the whole solar system yes. has already been de- developed. You know what? After you after you called and I got those messages, I thought about that and I thought, oh my God, what if we develop a drive that will move mass people? Uh, some sort of gravity drive, I would imagine, or what? No, no, it's electromagnetic drive. It's a sealed engine that NASA has already approved, or has already tested and verified. Really? And it's in, and that's in a hard vacuum. And uh, you know, they're getting minimal thrust, but the once they start to use a uh, superconducting reaction chamber, which, mm. by the way, is sealed, there's no exhaust tube, Right. Uh, they'll be able to increase the Q up into the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands and be able to get, you know, a million pounds of thrust out of, you know, using electricity to power it. Oh, and, uh, and And that's, you know, that's in five years. All right, let you me know, ask this. What, what is it uh, that motivated uh, that many people to go to Mars? Well, what always motivates them? <laughs> gold. Gold. That that's that's one of the primary uh, gold mining colonies on Mars, and you know, plus there are quite a few of them on the asteroids, and there's extensive things going on on the moon. Well, that certainly through the ages has motivated many people to go on many gold rushes. So I get that. The reason that I called you is because my son wants to arrange a live communication from 2060 to you from Mars. Oh, good Lord, yes. Good Lord, yes. And Here's what I would suggest. In preparation, and it will take some time to arrange this, but there is a very good reason that he feels very strongly that this needs to occur. I'm with him. And he's potentially could get into some trouble. In fact, you know... Um, well, I don't want that. But it, it it's for the good. All right. Um, let's do this. Let us set up something by email. I'm artbell at artbell.com, and we can set up whatever you want. Okay. I will talk to the people that will actually do the technological part... Yes, and uh, and then I will I will get back to you. I don't know how I will verify that I am who I am, but um, uh, you can refer to me as Frank. I don't know if that'll help. Done deal, Frank. Um, This has been a good call. Um, So get in touch with me. We'll arrange exactly what you just said. Okay. Thank you very much. Right. Thank you, Frank, and take care. See this. This is why you do open lines. This is exactly why you do open lines. You just, you never, ever know what you're going to run into. You just don't know. Ithaca, New York. Hello. Hello, Art. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. I am very grateful to you, not only for all the time you've been on the air, but some special peak moments of it. And one of those is when you talked about uh, crop formation that has come down now to be known as the Arecibo reply. <laughs> the Are- oh, I remember the Arecibo reply well. Yes, well, I was so inspired that by that to do a science project. 
and I actually had called Lisa at the time because I wanted to be on coach, not about that, but about some research I'd done with genetics about the genetics of altruism. Yes. But I told her that I could have a field day analyzing those agroglyphs in the computer. How do you analyze them? I mean, what kind of, um, what do you put them through to analyze them? I'm curious. Well, okay, what is, if you have two rectangles on the ground on very flat land, Yes. And if you remember the alien face and the Arecibo reply sure. were rectangles, but they were not parallel to each other. No side of one rectangle was parallel to any side of the other. Yes. And when you have that, there's enough information in a perspective picture of the scene to reconstruct a perfect map of the scene as it would look looking straight down on it. And if the pictures were a hoax, that map would reveal the radar dish as an oval instead of a circle, and the parking lot, a third non-parallel rectangle in the scene. You know, that actually makes sense. In other words, we, we rarely, almost never, see a directly looking down photograph, do we? Yes, but if you, the thing is, if you reconstruct the straight looking down yeah, photograph, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. if it were a hoax, the radar dish would come out oval on the map. And I the so get lot it. Would, would come out not as a rectangle. Right. Now, I told Nancy Talbot, a crop circle expert, about this research project I did, and she got very angry. She said, my great friends in England were there. They walked around in it. How could you dare to do research to demonstrate that it might not have really existed and might have just been a fancy drawing. <laughs> and I said, but science doesn't work that way. And the thing I, she didn't give me time to say was that there are certain autistic savants who, when they look at such a photograph, Bingo. can generate the map in their head and just draw it. Totally got so it. All I really did was write a computer program to emulate an autistic savant and create the map from the photograph. Listen, I, I would love to see, I would love to see the results of some of what you've done. Could you get them to me? Well, I try, I sent you an email at artbell at artbell.com with, with the four versions of the manuscript I wrote for After Dark. Unfortunately, Lisa lost interest in it. First she said, I won't have you on about No, 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 no. What I'm asking for is actual renderings of what you came up with, if viewed. There are, there are, schematic drawings. I'm blind and I can't do much good artwork, but I have what what's a computer generated pictures of of the maps and what's interesting is at first the maps came out as if it had been hoaxes. But I found out what happened is the the photos weren't hoaxes at, at all. The scene was very real. Mm-hmm. What happened was people had doctored some of the pictures to make the details in the formation show up in perspective. And they took the pictures off of the picture, as it were, turned them into rectangles, Mm -hmm. put in the details, and then tried to put them back in perspective again. And they didn't put them back exactly where they had taken them from, and that ruined those pictures. Of course, yes. One picture where... They didn't do any doctoring at all, the radar. Okay, well, you, can you get me one example even? Well, it's in, it's in the email I sent you. If you, can, huh. if you can give me a subject header you want me to use so you can find it, I'll send it again. Um, crop formation phone call. 
Okay. All right. I would love to. I would love to be on Midnight in the Desert to be interviewed about this project. I put a lot of time and energy into I it. I can understand, and that might happen. Thank you very, very much for the call. And what he is saying makes so much sense. It's almost like contact. You remember contact when they were trying to figure out um, how it all fit together, and it turned out to be a three-dimensional thing, and you had to put it together. And until you put it together, it made no sense at all. Make sense? Okay, so many things ringing here. Let's try for Dale on Skype. Hello. Dale? Are you there? Hey. Hey, Dale. How are you doing, Art? Very well. Wow, this is awesome. Um, I... I uh... Uh, the first time I remember talking to you, I had been listening to you for a couple of years, and it was in 1994, <laughs> and the story of the Trumbull uh, UFO, Trumbull, oh, yeah. Ohio UFO sure. came on, sure. and that captivated me. It was like two or three hours of this amazing story. Uh, but I wanted to talk about you. Uh, you were talking about shadow creatures earlier, and it got me to thinking. I'm an electrical engineer. Um, and I'm wondering what substance they're made out of, or do they only manifest as uh, uh, something in the electromagnetic spectrum? And then I'm wondering, how could we interact with them? I want all and, the same uh, answers, like, buddy. I want all the same answers. I can tell you that I could see about halfway through it. In other words, stuff in the background behind it was about half as visible as it should have been with the amount of light in the room. Follow me? Yeah, yeah, like a 50% gray filter, right? That's right. Thank you. Yeah, yes. so I wonder, you know, like people who 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 see these, maybe they might want to keep a flash unit with them and see if you could get their attention, uh, light them up with a flash unit, mm-hmm. see what kind of reaction they'd get. Um, I'm wondering about microwave, uh, sound bursts, laser, or a taser. I mean, if, if we want to be unfriendly, uh, we have a lot of <laughs> options we can explore. I I don't really want to be unfriendly, and, but I also don't want to be a victim. Right, exactly. If they're pests, you know, it seems like we have a better mousetrap we could try. Uh, but if we want to be friendly with them, what kind of things might they want? Music? Uh, pretty pictures? Um, <laughs> or whatever it is, I'd be glad anyway, to hand it over. That was my thought. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. As I said, whatever it is, I'd be more than happy to hand it over uh, to not have to see them again. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Uh, Kirkfield, Ontario, is that correct? That's correct, Art. Hey. Uh, Terry, I'm listening on uh, CFRB 1010. Yes, sir. And uh, Or I don't actually need it, but they also do uh, short waves, CFRX 6.070 yeah. megahertz. I was hearing that. People have been telling me that, that they actually have their own short wave station, and we're carried on that? I haven't had uh, a need to seek it out. Uh, okay. My understanding is that it would be a simulcast, yeah. Wow. That's pretty right. exciting. We're all over short wave. It's, uh, <laughs> it's so appropriate. I love radio. Yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful, and amateur radio is a great hobby, too. It I wish sure I could is. afford it. You, but I wanted to ask a question. You can afford ham radio. Find somebody with a second-hand rig for sale. There's tons of them out there. You'll find something. Get on the air. Do it. Get your license. It'd be great. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Um, 
I'm hearing very familiar theme music. I'm hearing a very familiar voiceover guy. And down the street, they're carrying a Best of Art Bell show on Saturday night. <laughs> I'm, I'm really, I'm very confused about uh, yeah. who's on speaking terms with whom. Yeah, I'm confused, too. Uh, so join <laughs> join the club. Okay. <laughs> I didn't realize. Okay, so it's pretty complicated, in other words. Complicated beyond even my understanding, yes. <laughs> okay. That's really all I wanted to ask. Well, I I wish I had an answer for you, my friend. I really no wish I had an answer. Thank you very much for the call and and take care. You know, if they if they want to continue to play those and in effect advertise the fact that Art Bell is still here, all you got to do is well twist the dial, fire up the phone, fire up the iPad, fire up the computer. We're everywhere. Oh, my. Uh, let's try. I think we've got somebody on Skype. Hello? No, I think that was a hanger-on. Let's try here. Uh, Skype. Ken? Hello, Ken. Hi. Hi, Ken. Turn turn your device down, please. Okay. I'm getting to it. Okay. We're waiting. Down. Volume. Down. Yeah, I'm there now. Okay. Good. You're on the air. Oh, great. It's so good to talk to you, Art. It's been quite a while since I talked to you, but how would you like to take a ride about 55 years back? I would love that. I was 10 years old, and, uh, of course, as any little kid at night, I always stared at the closet door. And one night... Very quickly, because the darn show was ending. I saw something at the head of my bed that was about three and a half feet tall. Right. And it looked something like this picture it's in the center of the Aztec calendar with big ears and it freaked me out so I hid under the covers and that was the last time I saw it but ever since then about a year after that I experienced night dream flights oh that's awful I I'm so sorry I I've got to go listen everybody thank you this show flew by I can't believe it's over Richard C. Hoagland's coming up on the Dark Matter Digital Network from the high desert. Good night, world.
high, midnight in the desert. 